feature presentation. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Untitled Movie Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside, he's allergic to tomatoes, but he is tomato meter approved, Eric Marchin. Matt, it's, uh, it's a special day on the show. It's our 101 episode. We did it. Yep, we did it. We can cancel the show now. Uh, we thought 101 is a good number to finish on um no we're gonna keep going until we probably are dead but uh joining us today we have a very special guest he's a director and filmmaker that abandoned us for the west coast he is eric's brother kyle march and how's it going buddy uh it's good i'm hanging loose out here you know thanks you for thanks coast. for being here this is so so much fun i miss you man i know i uh this is nice it's nice feels like uh yeah i was saying to you guys earlier like a bit homesick so it's good to get to do this that's great, man. How how are things out there? You've been out there for what a month or two now? Uh, just over three months. Oh God, I don't know what yeah. time works. The COVID time paradox. Yeah, um, it's good. Um, you know, there's a lot of trade offs, but you know, Vancouver is kind of situated in an area that is just it's just stunning. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, um, I see your Instagram stories and stuff all the time. It looks beautiful. It's so that's that's pretty cool. There again, though, there are trade offs. You know, it's a much smaller city. Um, and I miss Toronto a lot, especially right now with TIFF coming up. I yeah. feel like, and, and the world kind of slowly opening up. We maybe I don't know. Um, so you know that that is definitely something I'm missing, and I, obviously I miss you guys and friends and family and stuff. But no, it's been good. Um, it was just it kind of came to a point where I was like, with COVID, needed a needed to change something. I think as most people have been feeling those kind of moments, and yeah, um, an opportunity presented itself, and it wasn't in Toronto, and just decided to go for it. Why not? I, I feel you on that, man. Nevis and I talk about that all the time because her parents just moved to Hungary. Um, oh. Yeah. So, and she's obviously was born in Croatia and loves it in Europe. So we've talked about, you know, heading over there and, and being close to her family there. Or I love the, I like, I mean, I went to California once and I was like, I love the West coast and want to move I, It's a now. very mad speed, like, I feel like. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So we've been talking about all that stuff too, but we're moving back to the city in, I don't know if I told you that, but like in like uh, two months or something like after TIFF, like in the, we always move on Halloween. It seems like for some reason, nice. like October 31st, November 1st is like always when we move. So that's looking like when we're going to be back in like kind of the, uh, in Etobicoke, you know, in the East end kind of thing. So I'm looking back to uh, looking forward to getting back to the city. Cause like, as much as I love the space here, I just, I don't know if suburban life is for me either. I don't know. You, I don't death know run, you know, I don't even know what the hell I want. The one thing I do want to talk to you about is not movie related at all is what do you think about the cut? Can you offer sheet from I the gotta Carolina say. hockey talk? Everyone, Eric, you can just okay, shut up for a yeah. second. Uh, Wait, I, do you want to continue <laughs> to shut up? Do we do we want to start with hockey or do you want to start? Well, with you keep pulling up the mug, Kyle. You have to talk I know, about I, it. I'm having my morning. It's so, you know, the three hour difference. It's, it's still the morning here. So I'm having I my still, morning coffee and my favorite, and my favorite mug. Yeah. I got um, my favorite, my favorite cup too. <laughs> my favorite mug. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, yeah I, I, people who listen to the show frequently might've heard, you know, the back and forth of all talk shit about not talk shit. It's friendly between Kyle and I. Yeah, Kyle, yeah. Is, Kyle is a Bruins fan. I'm a, a Leafs fan. But the one thing 
we can, you know, come together is our hate for the Montreal Canadiens. Oh, yeah, that, so, that's terrible. So that. yesterday, the Carolina Hurricanes offer sheeted uh, one of the Montreal Canadiens young players, and um, which is kind of like a revenge thing from a, an Aho offer sheet from a couple weeks back. People are listening to this who probably don't care about hockey, but I needed to talk to Kyle about this. I'm, I'm trying to think of like a parable to uh, to, to a movie. Them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Fans of the Love Guru it. are going to be really, really pumped. Um, well, yeah, I'll just watch Coda as well, right? So, right, yeah, it takes place in Boston. <laughs> yeah. There you go, Eric. Boston, Thank you. Jersey, at the beginning, <laughs> yeah, just there Coda is. and uh, yeah, Manchester by the Sea, and you are a Bruins fan. Yeah, so. exactly, yeah. exactly. No, I just love how petty and um and funny the whole situation is, and yeah, I just wanted to start that off the top because it's hilarious, Eric. So basically. When you have a restricted free agent, um, there's two different types of free agents, restricted and unrestricted. Unrestricted, you can sign with anyone. It doesn't matter. You can go anywhere you want for whoever wants to sign you. A restricted free agent, the team controls you, essentially. <laughs> but you can sign with another team, but your team can match the offer or give draft picks, depending on how many, how much money that other team offered you. So, so essentially... Eric, yeah, if you played for my team but you were still a restricted free agent. So you were just coming off your entry level contract. You're a young um, player. Yeah. Yeah. You're, or you're a young player. Um, and uh, we were negotiating and it wasn't going well, but you're an RFA, like a restricted free agent. Matt could then send you a contract and be like, Hey, we'll give you this and you can sign it, but it doesn't mean you've signed with Matt's team. Then I get the option because you're a restricted free agent to say, okay, we'll, we'll do that deal. Um, or I can say, no, I don't want that deal. And then Matt has to pay me a certain number of draft picks as compensation. Mm -hmm. And Um, it never happens usually like no one, no one ever does it because it's kind of like an unspoken, it's a rule. Like you can do it. It's perfectly legal, but it's like, kind of like a fuck you to other teams. Like, or it's like kind of not a fuck you, but it's like not super accepted league round like people kind of think it's like nasty to try to steal a player from another team and sign them and then it's kind of the player like it kind of back backlashes on them with their team who they're on because they could stay with them but then their fans know that they signed but it might be a money thing because they know Montreal was only offering him four and a half million for a couple years but he signed for six point whatever on another team so Carolina last year signed uh, or one of their players two years ago, right? Or a couple years ago? Oh, uh, it was two um, years ago, yeah. Yeah, one of their p- young players um, wanted more money. So Montreal tried to kind of steal him away and go, we'll pay him, what was it, like $7 million a year or something like no, that? No, it was like nine. Like, or nine or something nine, ridiculous. No, and then Carolina was like, well, fuck you, fine. We're going to match it. Like, we didn't want to pay him that much, but like, we're you're not stealing our player away. So then two years later, one of Montreal's young players, they signed him for six point one or 6.2 million dollars uh, which is more money than he would have gotten from Montreal absolutely because he's 21 years old he's struggled a little bit in the regular season but been really good in the playoffs but hasn't even played that many games for them like um, I I love it just because like um and you were talking about like why is like this is totally legal it's totally al- allowed to happen uh according to the CBA which is like the player agreement um with the nhl and the thing that's annoying is like the nhl is kind of the more boring league in terms of it feels like it's always i don't know about you matt but i've always said it's like it feels like it's like 15 years behind the nba oh yeah absolutely Um, and and that's just mainly because it's run by a bunch of like you know guys who have been in the league and so everything is kind of just recycled ideas um 
and so you you don't ruffle feathers you know what i mean and uh even though you're competing with these teams and their rivals and, but um they're carolina and montreal classic rivalry you know <laughs> yeah. and uh now we're gonna get to see i the pettiness that i really enjoyed about it yeah. is like did you see like the breakdown of like oh, the bonuses and stuff? Yeah, the twenty dollars signing, yeah. which is the number of the player that they tried they to sign. tried to get, and then there's like a fifteen dollars at the very end. It's like six point one million, and then yeah, fifteen dollars, yeah. which is Kakaniemi's number, and then them issuing the exact same PR statements and all this in French <laughs> and English. Yeah, so, like the exact word for word statement that Montreal did two years ago. They yeah. just changed two words, and it's incredible. And the, like I love the that. other thing that I didn't realize is even if Montreal matches this is. Which I, I don't know why. I just think they will. I know a lot of people are saying like, oh. A first and a third is not enough though. Yeah. First and a third is not a lot. But the other reason is like that that kind of screws with Montreal is next year they're going to have to um, – uh, what's it called? The qualifying offer is the same. It's going to be so much higher now. So he could right? just accept that qualifying offer every year until he's unrestricted. Yeah. And then and that'll like, cost Montreal like quite a bit of their yeah. cap space. Yeah. It's, it, it's interesting, it's but I love the salt. Yeah. It's very it. fun watching two teams. I don't particularly care for. Yeah. Uh, especially after this off season with Carolina, you know? Yeah. Um, I yeah. don't know how we can turn this back to movies, but I just wanted to talk about hockey for a second, which can I do work, on this show every once in a while. So can we work Anaheim into this and then get like, yeah, a, the mighty ducks. We watched, well, we've uh, talked about the uh, ducks many times. I didn't even finish the new, did you finish the season, Eric of this, the mighty ducks? Series, no, I only watched up yeah. to episode six or seven. The one where yeah, when they had the yeah. original cast come in. Yeah. Same, same. So there, we did tie it back. I don't know. Or the pettiness between maybe theater owners and distributors right now. I don't or, know. Or Coda. Know. Yeah, Coda. There's a Boston Bruins hat or jersey, is it? Which we, I, think I think we've think, done think more marketing for Coda on this show than Apple TV Plus has in their entire yeah. uh, run for the, the, the film to premiere, which is... I think I've gotten more people. Yeah. Yeah. And then I... I I made my parents not made my parents. I told my parents to watch it because I knew it would be. It's that exact type of movie you text your parents. And you're like, watch this shit, 100%. and they're gonna love it. I mean, I love it too, but I mean, it is that type of crowd pleasing kind of movie. So I messaged yep. them, and I'm like, just watch Coda on Apple TV Plus because Apple will not tell you to. So yep. I will, um, which is and, really and weird it. because it's like they only have like eight movies. It feels like well, yeah. they spent and, 25 million uh, acquiring it as well. So you think that right. like they would want to put you know, some money behind it in terms of the marketing and if they were considering it to be their big Oscar push for this year as But well. maybe they are saving it to the end of the year for that kind of thing, but then why not just release it at the end of the year? And then... Um, well, they got the tragedy of Macbeth. That's probably Macbeth why as, as well, well, right? right? So. Yeah, but... Oh, yeah. I, I don't know. Like, I think they just... Uh, who was I talking to about this? Maybe at one of the screenings we were at or something. Um, But they have so much money, them and Amazon, that it almost, like doesn't even matter they just go oh yeah if you have an iphone we'll give you a free year of apple tv plus we'll just renew that and give you another free year because like whatever and it then it feels like a hobby for them like, or like like, yeah. like some little like corner where they're like oh this mm -hmm. is diversifies our pro our, our portfolio you know what i mean like it doesn't yeah. feel like, prime i feel like is more flushed out but um yeah it was also very funny 
what's the is it Stillwater the Matt Damon movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How Stillwater? I swear for like a week, I was like, I swear Justin Timberlake. <laughs> <laughs> and and then I realized I was like, oh, he that's... was in an Apple movie. That's that, Solmer. Yeah, that like, you're, yeah. It's yeah, the exact same poster. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, and they both yeah. are playing kind of like Middle America kind of guys, right? Like, uh, like you I know, don't know. Every it's... every man goes through their phase <laughs> where they need to play. <laughs> Some weird shadow of their dad, I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah and they have to yeah, wear yeah. cargo plaid shirts and stuff like that. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> that um, is funny though. The whole time, it's like, I, is that Justin Timberlake or is that Matt Damon? It's the same movie, you know, right? I swear, I, yeah, I was like, I swear this already came out. Well, one of them is directed by Tom McCarthy, and then the other one is directed by Fisher Stevens. So that's how you can. Tell. Oh, is it? Yeah, Palmer okay, is directed by Fisher Stevens. Right. Great. Great. Um, Kyle, what else have you been uh, kind of watching lately? Um, I'll go to my letter. Actually, I said you watched with... half of Vacation. Uh, Kyle, yeah, Kyle, I... no, we got to start with the important one that you watched last night that you snapped. I was gonna, I was gonna give a little intro to it. Do it, okay. go for it. <laughs> so I um, last, so yesterday, um, the weird thing about moving out here is I've actually been seeing a lot of friends just like from home and stuff because. I guess with COVID easing up in the summer and stuff and the numbers kind of going down, people wanted to travel, but you know, the borders weren't the open. Country, and yeah. So people have been coming out to Vancouver and BC a ton. And so one of my friends, uh, my, my good friend, Sophie, she's actually out here right now. And we went for a hike and stuff. And then um, we, uh, we were having a couple drinks and we were like, what should we do with the evening? And big film fan herself um, showed out. She's on a, her own film podcast called film hags. And, um, hell yeah hell yeah she uh she's like why don't we just go drink some more and watch the stupidest thing we can find on a streaming service <laughs> and uh ladies and gentlemen we watched kazam i have never seen it <laughs> nice but uh where is I it stream- where is it streaming disney plus oh hell and, yeah hell yeah yeah it's uh it's a trip it's it's super weird watching that movie especially because like it came out the same year as space jam right and it mm-hmm. and in in the in the it feels like almost I, I don't know I, I guess with timeline it might not be but it almost feels like they had the idea of being like well space jam was big and aladdin was big let's you know and i think well also Shaq nba was, players right like that was the thing it. where yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. michael jordan they wanted to position him as as a movie star and then you had shaquille o'neal who was also kind of you know prominent at that time so both kazam and steel uh, the comic book adaptation that that Shaquille O'Neal is in um, came out around the same time, and I remember Connor, our other brother, was so excited for both Kazam and Steel that he was ma- he? that he made Nan drag us to the Scarborough Town Center when they were living in Scarborough to watch Kazam and Steel. And the only so, thing I remember from Kazam is the scene where he needs to get like, is it like the tape back or something like that? Yeah, or like, yeah, yeah. I really couldn't tell you what I watched. Um, but <laughs> I just remember that everyone thinks that there was a Sinbad genie movie that never existed. Right. But um, I think everyone just gets mixed with Kazam. But I haven't seen it since, you know, it came out probably when I was a kid. But that's for sure. It's pretty um, – it, it's just one of those movies where I would love to almost see like a behind the scenes on it. And just see how that script kind of came because it feels like like five movies put together, and nothing really makes sense. Um, but clearly, like Shaq probably wanted certain things, and then right. know, Disney wanted certain things, and, or Touchstone. It, uh, Touchstone was like, you know, we got to have this in here, and 
Yeah, I don't know. Weird. But the other thing I realized, too, is I guess at that point, I think, was Shaq on the Orlando Magic at that point? Because that Probably, almost makes it that yeah. much better, you know, with the tie-in of Disney and Orlando and then... And just Magic in general? Let me see. Yeah. When did he play on Orlando? This was in 1996, which no, which would have been his either his last year on Orlando or his yeah. first year at the, on the Lakers. So, I mean, L.A. also makes sense, too, if he goes to L.A., so... And I know they shot most of it in L.A., I think. And then they just shot, like, inserts in Brooklyn. Weirdly, it takes place in, like, New York when I don't think there's much of a reason to. Right. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Bizarre movie. (laughs) Super bizarre movie. Yeah. Directed by Starsky of Starsky and Hutch. So, you know, good for him. When you sent me the Snapchat that you were watching it, I first thought, because of the shot of the kid, I thought you were watching uh, The Warriors of Virtue. Oh man, that's okay. a totally different rabbit hole. Yeah, yeah literally. Yeah. Yeah. I guess Incredible. a kangaroos, but yeah. kangaroo hole. Yeah, Incredible. Which, that's yeah. that stuff. Speaking of Disney Plus, like um, to jump off of that and, and stupid movies that are on there that I was watching. I watched half of Spy Hard yesterday. <laughs> just <'cause>, like, <laughs> I, I just threw it on. Nevis had never seen it, and she was uh, having a rough day because she was pretty hungover and. Um, so we were just chilling and we ordered dominoes and stuff like that yesterday. And um, I was like, I want to put on Spy Hard. And because Eric and I talked about it during our review for, um, God, what movie was it? There was a really random moment. In oh, it. Uh, 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 Snake Eyes. Snake Eyes, right. Yeah. Where, the, where Leslie Nielsen farts on uh, Charles Derning <laughs> yeah. uh, when he's hiding. Charles, as the Charles cow- Derning's hiding in the, in the chair yeah. and just um, that hiding in plain sight. Uh, you know, spy kind of thing uh, made me 1996 laugh. as well. I, uh, also, okay, there you go. Wow, what a year! What People a year! Bored. They were like, yeah. we don't feel alive anymore. We need more um, things. We need God, basketball sp- players as movie stars and Leslie Nielsen farting on Charles Durning. Yeah, yeah. Um, Spy Hard, uh, horrible, but um, I love it. It's just very nostalgic for me. Weird and, Al um, opening credit song is incredible. Did you watch the bit where like? After he loses his his partner and and uh, love interest, where he has the photo of her falling off the cliff, yeah, it's <laughs> great. And there's so many good, there's so many good stupid jokes like that. That you know, the movie has an eight percent on Rotten Tomatoes, so obviously not a critical hit at the time. But um, a movie that I just remember watching a lot as a kid, like whenever I was at the cottage and everyone would go to the beach and I would stay back at the cottage cause I hated the beach and just rent movies from the local like uh, convenience store. And that VHS of spy hard, I probably watched so many times just thinking it was the funniest thing ever. So, uh, Nevis did not enjoy it. Uh, we stopped halfway through and she's like, you can finish this without me. <laughs> it's like fair. The best part about that is I was just looking at it and it's 80 minutes. It's not oh, even a yeah. hour and a half. <laughs> yeah. And he is like, I can't get, no, I can't get past minute 40. No, we me. didn't. We didn't get past minute 40. And it was just like, you know what? You can finish this by yourself. And I was like, fair, <laughs> fair. I will finish this by myself sometime. And, um, yeah, we ended up just playing board games or whatever instead yesterday. But um, it is amazing yeah. though, how Leslie Nielsen after the naked gun movies literally just became, that parody actor where it's like okay you know you'll do the, the you'll do the spy hard james bond riff you'll do the fugitive thing with wrongly accused and like that became or drac with even with mel brooks with dracula dead and loving it it's just like like that was his stick for you know even even it's after so airplane long. right like it was that that was that was who he was yeah you know, it was the yeah, I mean, kind of parody guy the reverse it's the reverse liam neeson 
Yeah. Although Liam Neeson did start in action movies. Like a lot of people forget right. that he was in Excalibur and Dark Man and the Patrick Swayze next of kin before he did Schindler's List. And that was kind of what made him a dramatic actor for until Taken, you know. And then when he did Taken, everybody's like, Liam Neeson could do action movies. It's like, well, no, he, yeah. he did them before. It's just that now he's doing them. That's that's all he's doing. He's carved out a career you know, making those movies. And I think it just keeps him busy because I mean, he's, you know, suffered a lot in terms of his own tragedy. So yeah, no, 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 no. But just in terms of thinking like everybody being like, Oh, this is such a revelation that, you know, Liam Neeson can be an action star, but it did kind of kick off that trend of take, you know, like this, you know, uh, respected actor and then put them in kind of a a B movie. Yeah. I mean, I am looking at his filmography and after, I mean, that's kind of what he was known for, but then that's all he did for the latter part of his career, really. Right. Like he was even in awful stuff like superhero movie and Stan Helsing. And like, basically if you had a, you know, a a parody movie, you had Leslie Nielsen in it for at least. And he was in some of the later scary movie movies, right? Yeah. He was in scary movie (laughs) three and four as the president. Yeah. Um, so, but you know, everything he did after spy hard was basically like you had Mr. Magoo, but then you had, uh, 2001, a space travesty, uh, scary movie three superhero movie, uh he was in Slapshot three junior league there you go hockey baby he was in men with brooms as well yeah which was not uh, a parody although it's spanish should be. movie that's just a parody of canadian cinema in general i feel like spanish movie probably problematic but um anyways i he was even in that so you know um yeah so spy hard is on disney plus at least in canada because i think maybe both i don't know if kazam and Spy Hard are on the Star Plus, or if they're actually on Disney Plus. But it gets weird when we have certain things available here in Canada, like Star Plus. And I want to watch Speed. Speed is on Disney Plus as well. And I'm like, I was going through, and I'm like, there's, I just haven't really browsed through Star Plus other than like, I know, yeah, we talked about Vacation Friends, which is an original there. <laughs> and we'll be reviewing, still got to watch it. But uh, the only murders in the building, or what's it called again, Eric? Only I think it is only murders, uh, only murders in the in, building. Murders in the building or something. We'll be reviewing the premiere at least uh, this week. I don't know how much. it's We're getting busy with TIFF stuff. So we'll try to catch that first episode. But Star Plus adds a lot of, I feel like, value to Disney Plus here. Because I feel like when it's only the Disney stuff, you only have so much. But um, with all the Fox and, and other stuff is actually some good shit on there it's also yeah, funny just to think that kazam is on blu-ray through kino and oh, really? by heart has never been released on blu-ray you can watch in hd on disney plus baby yeah, um, they have some gems on there i will say like um earlier this week uh threw on crimson tide oh yeah, yeah. which is also on disney plus so. yeah yeah uh, i love that they just have all the old fox plus, library yeah. and touchstone and, and bona vista stuff and yeah. it's awesome yeah when you can start yeah, putting on like R-rated. the other thing Shout out to Disney Plus that if uh, any of the other streaming services are listening to this. <laughs> they all that. are, everyone. Um, the group watch feature is actually, I love that feature. Because um, it just syncs it up, right? It syncs then... it up between multiple, uh, but it's not, because I know there's the Netflix party and stuff, but like, you know, after moving out here and stuff, if I want to watch movies with people back home and stuff it's way easier to sync it up on my because then i can watch on my tv you know watch on yeah TV, and, sync and that throw up. on like a video whatever yeah, chat or better and, yeah. yeah i don't know anyways no i agree i, I haven't really crave used it. it i wish crave had it i wish you know netflix had it all these 
I think eventually you're going to start to see it. It's just like, I mean, Crave is feels like it's 15 years behind everyone when it comes to right. like, we just added 480p, everyone. You can watch finally on a TV. It's like, all right, guys. They like, they quietly added 4K the other day. And I'm like, God, I hope your bit rate is better than your 1080p stuff. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, the watch party stuff I haven't really used, but I want to maybe try to do it more. I know Amazon Prime has it like, um on stuff you can do there and you can even like stream on twitch and like watch with people that way which i oh. think is really cool like if you That's stream nice. like because i thought about that for us right like if eric and i wanted to start doing like watch alongs or something like that or, or maybe doing it on twitch because basically everyone just has to log into their own personal prime account before you can actually join to watch and then you can actually stream it online and, and watch with people that way. And then, but yeah, from the personal stuff, I know Apple's going to launch something soon. If you have iPhones on FaceTime and stuff like that, they're trying to improve FaceTime to be a little bit more like discord or, or, uh, you know, zoom or something like that, where you can share your screen. And if you all are on either a family thing or you all have Apple stuff, like you can basically stream stuff that's on Apple TV plus through FaceTime and, and things like that. So like you see more and more people doing that. And I think those are kind of the innovations you're getting out of, you know, the silver lining of this kind of shitty thing we've been through the last, I guess, year and a yeah. half is people, um, you know, companies trying to figure out how to connect people more and, and get people used to using this kind of stuff. Because I feel like before we had access to a lot of it, but I never, like I never video called anyone or I never did this like before all of this shit, like it was all available, but I feel like we're doing it more and more now. And the, the watch parties I just haven't done. Cause I'm just like a loner anyway, that I just like, leave me alone when I watch my movies. You need to watch um, Spy Hard alone. Yeah. <laughs> the way it was meant my to be. My fiance couldn't yeah. make it. <laughs> yeah. uh, anything else you've been watching, Kyle, or what? Well, you mentioned um, Crimson Tide, which yeah, Crimson I mentioned, Tide. yeah, I did. Yeah. Um, I had never seen Crimson Tide. Uh, and I just decided to give it a watch. It was great. I mean, like, you know, I didn't, I don't think it was, I don't know. I, it's definitely one of those movies where you just turn it on to watch uh, two actors who are very good, just, you know, light up a screen. It was, it yeah. was, it was really good. Like Gene Hackman and Denzel, and especially Denzel in the nineties too. Like that's, <laughs> you know, um, yeah. I loved a lot of that. And then Eric and I, like we were talking about the supporting cast and it's just like stacked. Like you have like young Vigo Mortensen, you have uh, Gandolfini hanging out in there. And right. Um, yeah. It's just, it's, it's a really Steve's on. interesting. Steve's on. Yeah. Steve's on. Yeah. yeah love him. Um, all we're missing is Billy Zane. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Well, what's great, what I love about that film, um, I mean, obviously, Tony Scott's one of those directors where, like, you know, he went on to work with Denzel Washington multiple times after that. But um, is the cast and crew, but on top of that, you have some interesting dynamics with the power play and how at the beginning of the story you have Denzel Washington and Viggo Mortensen's characters as best friends. And then when this situation kind of you know, starts to sort of peak and you have this idea of like, you know, a nuclear Holocaust kind of happening and this tension between the two leads of whether or not they should sort of follow protocol. You have uh, George DeZunda, uh, who's Gene Hackman's right-hand man, switching sides and Viggo Mortensen switching sides. So they end up working with, you know, Hackman and Washington, vice versa. And I think that that sort of dynamic is kind of interesting. And then obviously a lot of people remember that, you know, this was around the time that Tony Scott had also, you know, directed True Romance, speaking of James Gandolfini. But um, 
Quentin Tarantino did a rewrite on Crimson Tide on the script, an uncredited rewrite. And like, there are lines about Captain Kirk that are uh, in there that everybody's like, okay, well, that's definitely something that Tarantino contributed Mm -hmm. to the Crimson Tide Mm -hmm. rewrite. Yeah. Eric, did we watch Crimson Tide like years ago? No, no, we didn't. No, I thought we were, or maybe it was one that we were contemplating because I know there was a time where you would pop over when we watch some older action movie. And yeah. I feel like I just remember discussing Crimson Tide, but it might've been like something we almost watched, but never did. I mean, I've seen it, but it's been a while. Um, but yeah, nothing beats Denzel in the nineties too, right? Like, he, yeah. He, he was like, yeah, just on another level. Um, yeah. It's funny. There's like almost two movies in there. Now that you mentioned that Eric, like it clearly, you know, once the, the mutiny, is it the first mutiny? Spoiler, sorry. Uh, happens. And then, you know, there's a uh, gunfights and stuff. That That's where I, I disconnected a bit. But I just love the scenes where it's uh, Hackman and, and Washington just kind of shooting the shit, I guess, for lack of a better term. And, well, it's two um, actors, like, basically, like, in this boxing match. And they're just that's it, sparring yeah. back and forth. And you just... You don't like. Obviously, you're rooting for Denzel because you don't want their, you don't want those those nuclear codes to be sort of activated and launched. But at the same time, you can't help but be compelled by both actors because they're so good. And as you mentioned, I think like Gene Hackman obviously, you know, was in his prime in 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 the seventies and watching him sort of go back and forth with Denzel, it brings out his A game. And you see that yeah. these two actors are just completely present and committed to the performance and the movie. And it's not them just phoning it in for some action movie, the way that like, say something as much as I, I enjoy the rock, like you can tell that both Nicolas Cage and Sean Connery are there for the paycheck and, and they're having sure. fun, but they're not, you know, giving necessarily great performances where I think both Hackman and Washington are giving as good of a performance as if they were to be in something more prestigious. Are we yep. still upset that Hackman's last movie was Welcome to Mooseport? Yes. <laughs> I think about this once every day. What's worse? Is it Welcome to Mooseport or uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen? Yeah. That's a good question, Kyle. That's one that uh, is up for debate and one for the ages. But it's it's always sad when like a great actor, you know, ends on, you know, a film that it's just like, okay, that's the thing that they're going to be known for for their for the rest of their career now or like that's like the last little sort of thing um like one too one too many yeah or even like with with jack nicholson who i don't think is going to do another movie you know unfortunately but like the last thing he was in was that horrible james l brooks movie um how will he know and and like oh, right yeah with with paul rudd owen wilson and reese witherspoon and part of that was him probably doing a favor to james l brooks because you know they've worked together many times prior and and have done stuff like broadcast news in terms of endearment and and as good as it gets and and you think to yourself okay well he's kind of doing james l brooks a, a favor at this point um but it's just a shame to think that that's going to be the movie he'll be known for in now. Like, yeah. like that's the last thing he did. Not that he'll be defined by that because obviously he has many great roles, but he's just thinking like, it's, it's hard to go out on a high note. Um, especially yeah. when you're like a, a big name star, because it's also like, you still kind of want to work. And like, I almost feel like someone like Robert Redford now, um, if he doesn't right. do anything mm-hmm. else actor wise, um, the old man and the gun is not a bad way to go out. Like technically no, no. end game, baby. 
Fuck you. <laughs> Technically, if we're talking last rules, right. it's Endgame. But I even but look at someone like Clint thing. Eastwood with Cry Macho coming out. I'm like, the if guy. If you're talking lead roles, then I'll give it to you. Then. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, with, like, even with Eastwood with Cry Macho coming out, it's like, I mean, from that trailer. That's got to be the last one. It right? has to, yeah. Because so. it feels like the perfect thing for him, I guess, to, to go out on. But um, I mean, I guess even with. Um, connery like he did a couple like voice roles didn't he or was yeah he, he did a, he did like... a he did an animated short called sir bill oh it's a short so that yeah yeah so shorts yeah. don't shorts aren't movies right shorts aren't real. all right guys <laughs> <laughs> I, I said that on purpose i say documentaries aren't real either welcome back it welcome back it's all obviously a joke i was also gonna yeah, say yeah, with yeah. the kazam thing it would be amazing to see a behind the scenes documentary in the style of uh, like a, a Werner herzog sort of perspective thing or like a a les blank where like it's a burden of dreams but with kazam <laughs> so you see yeah, right. like the crew like building like a uh a Fitzcarraldo-esque ship on the set of Kazam, and it's like, yeah, Shaquille just wanted a giant ship to hang out in, or something like that, something weird or random. I um, also feel like the '90s were an era where, at keeping it within sports, which we kicked it off with, of like an era where I mean, I know we just had the, the Space Jam movie, but I'm trying to think of like the '90s. It felt like every big, you know, sports star got a movie or something like that, and yeah, or animals were popular culture, right? then as well, right? Like you still had like you know, Dumpston checks in and things like that, where it's like an animal is like the lead mm-hmm. and you had like supporting MVP. cast of, yeah, exactly. You know, Tony Hawk being in an MVP, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was so. the second one that was hockey, right? The second one I think is hockey. Yeah. 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 And then the, the airbud was skateboarding, I think. Oh, airbud, nothing like the man. Somebody Air needs Bud to remake universe. one of those films, but do it in the style of like making it a ri- a, a gritty legacy film. You know, like know. like sure, an airbud, yeah. like airbud twenty twenty two or something like that. Yeah, I'd love that. Yeah, they already have air buddies that is keep that's still going on. I think. Like, I'm pretty sure those movies are like. Maybe this was just you know word of mouth crap or like internet uh talk like you know mumbo jumbo but i feel like those movies were pretty terrible to those dogs yeah oh yeah i don't yeah. doubt it there that was an era where you know i think yeah. a lot of those movies where they'd use animals where they're just like throwing them in rivers and just making sure that they do all this stuff on camera and just being yeah. horrible yeah like you can't take the 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 end credits like you know no animals were harmed during the making of this motion picture seriously with any of those productions because it's like yeah they survived but yeah the trauma that they probably endured during the filming of one of those movies and they use multiple animals obviously yeah, as well course, yeah. um yeah it's it's it probably has gotten better but it's still kind of you have to consider like you know in terms of commanding an animal to do something even like with like bart the bear in 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 the 90s with movies like the edge like they're yeah. all sort of motivated by food but at the same time if they don't perform there's pressure on sort of the the animal trainer and i'm always think like is the animal trainer you know responsible enough in the situation um you know to do the right thing for the animal and not necessarily worry about the production mm-hmm there are yeah. 14 films in the Air, Bu- uh, Air Bud cinematic universe. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Here, I will go through them all. There are Air, Air Bud, Air Bud Golden Receiver. So the first one was about oh, oh. Uh, basketball, right? And yeah. then the second one, Golden Receiver Football. Then Someone got, got a raise on that name. And then, Yeah. Then we got Air Bud World Pup, which is <laughs> uh, football or soccer. Then Air Bud Seventh Inning Fetch Baseball. This dog can do everything. Um, then Air Bud Spikes Back Volleyball. 
Then you get into the Air Buddies uh, series, which is about Air Bud's children. Um, the New Mutants. Uh, yeah, basically. Style. So then you have Air Buddies, Snow Buddies, Space Buddies, Santa Buddies, Spooky Buddies, Treasure <laughs> Buddies, and Super Buddies. <laughs> and then you have the Santa Paws film series, which I believe is a spinoff of the uh, the Air Buddies series. So you have uh, Santa Paws, The Search for Santa Paws, and then Santa Paws 2, The Santa Pups. Um, so there are 14 films in the Air Bud cinematic universe, and I think it doesn't get enough credit. You know, the, everyone talks about the MCU. And I mean, Air Buds is, is, is kind of verging on like Godzilla territory of like how many sequels and spinoffs they've made. And you I think get it's a Mothra crossover. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I, Eric, I think you're onto something. Like I, it, the last Air Bud movie was in 2013, which was Super Buddies. And then um, maybe at the 10 year anniversary, we'll get a, a legacy sequel. The last the air butter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Something like oh that. Um, something like I will that. say golden receiver is pretty good. Yeah, that is. Yeah. That's good. I mean, a lot of those puns, you can definitely tell it's like they were thinking about like, okay, we got to get some dad jokes in here. So let's make this as punny as possible for the title. So at least the dad will be amused while watching with the kids. Yeah. God. Um, Segwaying with sports really yeah. quick. One other thing I just wanted to give a shout out that I, I watched actually a bunch this week. I kind of, my, my numbers were low after moving, but they're starting to, now that the fall, I feel like is creeping in, uh, climb back up. But I, I watched the, I finally got around to watching the Malice in the Palace uh, untold uh, Netflix uh, doc. I watched that um, yesterday. Yeah. I want Netflix to like, after the last dance and now this, it's like, I, and I want to watch the other, I saw there are two more untolds. I think that they released, like, I want to, I like Netflix can keep, you know, keep making their murder cry or true crime. Yeah. Docs and that can, you know, not my thing, but uh, as long as they keep doing these sports docs, I'm, I'm very, was uh, this also uh, partnered with ESPN or no? I'm not sure, actually. I don't know either. I mean, like, like what Kyle was saying, it's a part of their Untold series, and it's similar to what like HBO is doing with, um, with Music Box, where they're releasing these sort of like documentaries that are almost like an anthology series. Yeah, and they're not they're not necessarily about like one specific sport. It's about sort of um, moments, and it does feel like an ESPN thirty for thirty as well, and to a certain degree, but. This documentary is only about like 68, 69 minutes in total, and you are completely riveted by yep. what is going on in you know November of 2004 at uh, the Auburn Hills uh, Palace between the uh, Pistons and the Pacers. And you feel so, – the person I felt bad for <laughs> was the, pist- the Pistons. The Pistons. <laughs> I love talking sports with Eric. But Reggie, I felt really bad for Reggie Miller. Like that's the person, like the guy who like works so damn hard and put his ego to the side and really helped cultivate a new generation that was coming in. Like you see the way that he, you know, was working alongside, uh, you know, Jermaine O'Neal and, and, Ron Artest and people like that. And, and like, he'd never, he never won a, a, a championship. And yeah. Um, it, well, and, and you got like the one thing watching it, it's interesting because, you know, as much as like I, yeah, hockey is my kind of main sport, but you know, I feel like, well, they mentioned hockey in this as well in terms of like the violence. They yeah. They make that great kind of point, but like, it's interesting watching like Reggie Miller talk about how he's like, we had a championship team. It was just a fact. And it's like, you never know that, but you know, like now, you got to wonder how much this is just like festered in all of these characters and these guys have just spent all these years and they even talk about it. Right. And they all have very different 
approaches. And then a guy like Ron Artest, you know, right after wins a, wins a championship. and they, With the Lakers, you know, yeah. And they talk about this. Have you seen it, Matt? No. You I would have. really I, like it. It's it's I one of you would really dig it. Yeah, it's one of those movies where like like it's it's so beautifully shot. But I also loved how they really show you the whole picture of the situation mm-hmm. and sort of like they're not saying that the media they're not demonizing the media, but they're saying okay, the way that the media portrayed this as it was happening, the blame was put squarely on the NBA and the players, and to the point where the media was so much of a vocal component that they based that the NBA had to, you know, they felt the need to suspend players and not look at like, okay, well, like the season ticket holders, the guy who literally started the whole thing, Jonathan green, which is funny because it's the name of my producer at Rogers as well. And I kept thinking about that was the guy who threw um, this beer and started the whole thing. And when you see, you know, like the police get involved and like the FBI and, and things like that, and sort of like looking at the footage I almost, I almost was reminded a little bit of burn after reading at the end of it, because it's almost like, what the hell did we learn here? Like this was like, we wasted all these resources for nothing because this stupid fan was belligerent and threw, you know, this cup at Ron Artez, who now goes by Meta World Peace um, and started this whole thing. And I, I kind of liked that it showed you the whole picture and it didn't blame anybody specifically other than like this thing got out of control and it's interesting to look back at it now, but like you wonder like in the last maybe five, 10 years, maybe event that's maybe significant like that or, or something that will be sort of put under the microscope in a way that kind of looks at all the angles. And I thought that that was really refreshing with this kind of film because it did feel uh, non-biased in, in, in a lot of ways and that it was, it wasn't really blaming anybody. It was just kind of saying like, look at the situation as a whole. And if somebody comes off badly, that's on them. That's not on, um, you know, the filmmakers, like one of the, the season ticket holders who, you know, charges Ron, uh, is like a complete dick. And the way that he's like talking about being a victim, it's, you can see through the footage, you can see through the other interviews, you can see through how, everything played out that no this guy was literally threatening ron and ron had every right to deck him and it's just like yeah he got it, what you deserve the, the thing i kept thinking about is like and, and not to give too much i mean it's it's a dox it's an event that happened like 25 years ago or whatever but um the thing that or 20 years ago uh the thing that like blew me away is the uh like the i kept thinking about when the raptors or, or the, there's a moment in malice in the palace when um the cops finally show up um, after like being called when the riots happening in the arena and they kind of start to charge, I forget which player. Reggie, well, they, um, they start to, they start to take Reggie Miller off that's the it. court yeah, because they go, they go towards Reggie Miller and they're like, they have their pepper spray out and stuff. And it immediately reminded me. And, and clearly like, there's so much just like racial bias as well. And they talk about this a little bit, but it reminded me of Masai Ujiri a couple years ago. When right. He like, won the, the championship. And, and he tried to go on the court. And yeah. that cop gave him shit and like, was, you know, trying to mess with them and then led to like, I think that wasn't he, didn't the cop try to like sue Masai Ujiri? And it's just like, because Masai like, pushed him change. or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. This stuff doesn't change. And it's just, it's clearly, you know, there's clearly a racial motivation to it, but it was like, it's just interesting how this event, not 20 years ago, it was 2004, I think, the Malice of the Palace, yeah. but um, 
how that's still kind of a thing in, in a different, you know, it's, it's still happening and being oh, yeah. heard in a totally different setting. Um, yeah. Interesting stuff. I, I, Matt, I think you would. Yeah. I should uh, check it, it reminds out. Me, it reminds me of, of like everything kind of like the last dance did well. It's that similar approach. Um, yeah. Yeah. Cool. I love, yeah. I love their production style with these sports docs. It's not, it's a lot more, um, unstructured i find or like very structured but still allows uh characters to breathe and like you know in the interviews they leave a lot in and um even the way it's framed and, and just put together yeah i love when steven jackson in the archival footage when he comes on to the team um before um the 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 main event or the sort of the main sort of focus of the story and there's this interview where it's like someone asked him like does he feel any like stress stress or pressure in terms of the situation and he's like i make love to pressure <laughs> yeah yeah he's, great he is, he's also probably the best interview too yeah i, think, I mean they're yeah. all good like you can tell yeah. like reggie is 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 more kind of like your classic almost like corporate kind of figure like he knows how to walk to the walk the walk talk to talk and like he's very yeah um well i think he's become a media personality as well right? yeah i was gonna yeah. say i think he is right but you do feel bad for him because like he like he put like everything into the, those 18 seasons and by the time he gets to the end of it like there's no there's no like he's so selfless like there's no ego there like he just wants he wants to win but he wants to win the right way like he sees the ambition yeah. well, and... i think reggie the one thing i'll say is reggie there was an ego there for sure but i, I like reggie miller even like right the, he was a lot of people you know he's one of those guys very polarizing figure when he played um i think he's sick though he's yeah 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 i mean i like all all the 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 subjects being interviewed are are interesting and bring something to what kind of happened but again like it's just it like watching the footage and seeing you know this crowd just literally go haywire it looked like a soccer game and like to go to your point in terms of 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 sort of racial discrimination like even in the media the word thug gets used again and again and again and it's like okay well you know obviously you're saying something there and and steven jackson is the one who kind of just point blank range says like tells it how it is you know, yeah. so yeah, it's, Anyways, it's, yeah. it's a great, it's a great, uh, I, it. yeah. it's, I it's will an, check it out. It's an hour and 10. So yeah, you know, <laughs> I love to hear it. Even, love to hear it. It's not even as long as spy hard. <laughs> <laughs> Eric, you watched he's all that. I that. sure <laughs> did Matt talking about crappy movies. Um, so Saturday nights, I usually just like to watch <laughs> garbage. Although I did watch a couple other really good things, including malice at the palace and the, um, Pedro Almodovar um, short, uh, The Human Voice with Tilda Swinton, okay. which I thought was cool. actually really solid. Um, but He's All That is the uh, social media savvy sequel to... Uh, legacy sh- sequel. Yeah, legacy <laughs> sequel. But it's really not. It almost just feels more like it it's is just a, remake. a reboot. Yeah. Um, a remake, yeah. But even though they do have Matthew Lillard and Rachel Lee Cook, but they're playing different roles. But in the film, there's a moment where like both of them become quote-unquote self-aware. It's like, oh... I, have I heard this song before? And like a scene where it's Sixpence, None the Richers. Oh, so there are play. characters from the first film. No, no, and they're not. They're, the no. actors are, but they're oh, playing okay. different oh, characters. Oh. They do oh, the so wink. They right. do the like. Yeah. Exactly. They do. Yeah. At one point, they do the wink. And watching this movie, it's terrible. 
Um, but if you watch it with the sort of the the guise of thinking that it takes place within the Cobra Kai universe, because they do mention the <laughs> valley at one point, and and yeah. Tanner Buchanan's character, you could almost can like he uh, when you first see him, like he's basically sort of like a misanthropic guy who wears shirts with you know the Stooges and New York Dolls and stuff like that on it. But can I, can I just jump yeah, in for yeah. two seconds? Um, after this, so I sorry, I'm really close to my mic. Uh, when I moved here, I marathoned all of Cobra Kai. So I Fuck really, yeah. and you, you guys are the yes. only people I know who <laughs> yes. also Cobra Kai. Well, we're going to be so. talking more about Cobra Kai in, in, in a minute as well. Yes, it's coming up. I know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. But yeah, yeah. But, but if you think, okay, if you think like, you know, when Robbie goes on the run before he turns himself in, like, I almost feel like happens. this could be like a detour <laughs> where like he goes to Cali high for, you know, like a month or something like that and, and ends up in a, he's all that bet. And it's just the same movie. And, I don't know about you guys, but She's All That is not a good film uh, no. to begin with. But there is nostalgia, I guess, because it it is a late 90s teen rom-com. Kyle, I know you watched She's All That not too long ago. Uh, I don't think I watched She's All That. I think I watched 10 Things I Hate About You. I, th- I swear um, that you watched she- She's All That. Or so, maybe I did. Honestly, last year, I watched a lot very quickly. So, uh, like, uh, Heidi and I, my, my girlfriend and I, we watched a lot of, like, we'd go on binges of like kind of genre. Right. Um, and so for a while we were doing like nineties kind of schlock. So let, let me just see. I'm going to look this up on letterbox. Yeah. Maybe I did. <laughs> I've seen it. I've seen, I've seen it. it too. I, no, I mean, you know, it was we, iconic. I feel yeah. like in the nineties, like... Freddie Prince jr. In the nineties, you know? Oh yeah. Oh, I reviewed it. I have seen it. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, and my review is LOL, four eyes, yuck. <laughs> yeah, and you uh, watched it back in May. <laughs> I watched it like I watched it two days before I moved here. Right, right, okay, yeah. Classic. Yeah. So, um, but it is yeah, just interesting as well that also uh, Mark Waters directed the film, and he's also kind of like not that he's a great filmmaker, but you can tell that he's going back to some of the style that he brought to Mean Girls with sort of like the different you know subsections of of kids but it's all it's so bad it is so bad and it's just it i i hated contributing to you know it being number one on netflix on netflix yeah. but i had to watch it and it's just one of those movies where it's like even tanner buchanan who i said in my my letterbox review is somewhere between jeff Fahey and kevin uh jay o'connor uh, in terms okay. of his looks and, and delivery. And then I also just said, who is this movie for? And I still am trying to figure out, like, even teens, I don't think would really be into this movie, with the exception of the one. I don't think we know. We're too old now. Being the like, lead. Yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, I feel like that's. I feel exactly like, it. I feel like, like Skinner, are the children wrong? Or am I wrong? Or yeah. is it the yeah. children? Is I don't it know. It's, it's, it's he's all, no, it's she's all that for the t- TikTok generation. Cause I mean, yeah, Addison Ray being in it. it and she's not, not a, good, but nobody's good in this. Like, I don't right. think like you could say, like, oh, she, like she's is, particularly worse than anyone yeah. else. And again, like, I don't think it's for three 30 year old. Oh, absolutely not. Dudes, no, know? but if a good movie is a good movie, I mean, you can. No, still... no, no. I know, I know, I know. Yeah. But, but I get what you guys saying... are saying as well. Like, yeah. where like somebody that is of the right demographic could age demographic could watch this and and grow up on it the same way that you know there are '90s movies that I, I Kyle and I have talked about this before. You like, literally referenced Warriors of Virtue. I know, like five minutes ago. <laughs> and uh, yeah, she's so all that is, movie. That's the thing. Where, where I will defend, old, I will right? defend Cruel Intentions because at least it gets people 
kind of maybe interested or introduces them to dangerous liaisons, right? Like you just like Sarah Michelle Geller. That's right. yes, let's, that's true as well. Yeah. Was <laughs> I thinking about watching Simply Irresistible on Amazon mm-hmm. Prime last night? Maybe. Yes. Uh, but yeah, she's all that was one of those movies in the late nineties that I felt like it's probably made for that. You know, people who are that age, you said it's a bad movie and they're just making yeah. another bad movie for a new generation. Like I just, bad like, movies are, we need them. Oh, I, I agree. Yeah. yeah. I need I the bad and the good in order to yeah. appreciate Balance. both. <laughs> I, it, well, yeah. I think you need to appreciate that. Like I agree. A bad movie is a bad movie, but at the same time, it's interesting to know that, okay, this is what's being made, right? Like, and this is, this is yep. what is considered popular at the time. It's, I think that is kind of worth noting, even if you don't like the movie, but there are great teen films that even though, yes, at the age of 30, nearly 33, I can still appreciate like, you know, something like the perks of being a wallflower is or like edge of 17. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. I mean, they are also being made by grownups and even this is, I mean, the original screenwriter from she's all that wrote this and, and it does kind of feel a little bit condescending. It's like, what do kids like in terms of the social media world? You know? Yeah. Maybe um, you should have gotten a different writer. That's maybe. maybe you should have gotten somebody that was a, you know, a, a younger age or in that age range that maybe could be a little bit more clever with, sort of the social media stuff and and again i'm not saying that like somebody that's in their 40s or 50s or even 30s doesn't can't understand it it's just that it almost kind of feels like okay well you know you're yeah. writing it from the point of view of, of mean, a different era yeah you know you homeboy's like time. 40 homeboy's 42 years old and a yeah. white man i'm like i don't know bro like maybe don't write this movie like eric like, eric is a huge tiktok purist yeah, so he yeah. just doesn't like seeing it getting uh you know tarnished yeah no you know for i worked for tiktok right, yeah. for like a year and a bit or more I um, refuse so I, I get to get it, TikTok. Like, by the way, like I don't there's even some use, good shit on there. It's entertaining. I'm not saying that there isn't. Like, I mean, like even Vine, maybe not like, good. Good is too strong. Of a even word, when Vine like, was around, there's some Kyle stuff was on sending there. me when Kyle Kyle would always send me Vine videos, and I would always yeah. laugh at them. And I'm not saying that they're, they're not. It's not worth it. It's just that I feel like there has to be a cutoff point with social media where it's like, okay, I have Twitter, I have You're Facebook, I have Instagram. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know. I don't. I don't need any more. Do you do you count Letterboxd in there? No, I don't. Letterboxd is this weird thing where I don't think it is necessarily. I mean, it is social media, but at the same time, it's not. Like I'm not diary. very. I'm yeah. not. Yeah, I'm not very social on Letterboxd. Yeah, like, that's I true. feel like I, yeah. I diary is a perfect word. Yeah, uh, Kyle. It's like a journal. Like, yeah. Yeah, I basically do it because I want to remember what movies I watched and yeah. what movies I liked and didn't like. like. And like, like then Eric can just call me out. And yeah, there's a record, right? Watching and she's all that three months ago. Yeah, and I just become nerdy with like the stats at the end of the year and stuff like that. Like, I know there are people who comment and like people's reviews and and, and stuff like that, but that's just not how you know, I really go about, I like seeing what other people, like I'll go on a movie and see my friends list and see what they rated it to see kind of what a consensus is or something like that, or just see who likes what or who hates what. Um, but that I don't engage with people on Letterboxd, yeah. I guess, is that. Yeah. There the still is a community, but it's not as interactive mm-hmm. as Twitter or Facebook or, or Instagram. Like it, it's, it is more informational almost yeah. too, yeah. right? Like you're just trying to get like, Oh, did Eric like this or did Kyle like this? Or what did he think of that? Did Kyle okay, watched. He's all that. Yes, he did. Yeah. And, <laughs> I did. Yeah. And just, we stuff know like, now. 
I mean, I love Letterboxd, but yeah, it's mostly like a diary that then at the end of the year, they tell me you watched or Eric watched 11 Lil Rel Howery movies. Or I something, know. So. Yeah, I got seven. Uh, seven. Uh, incredible. Uh, can uh, well, I just say one thing relating to the stats? Is yeah, right yeah. now, I'm going to pull it up just to make sure I get the number right. But so this year, because, you know, this just talks about how my mental health was in the winter during COVID in Toronto's yeah. lockdown. Um Decided to watch all of the Fast and the Furious movies. Um, Damn right. Damn right. I've also watched, rewatched The Iron Giant a couple times. Yeah. Um, Point break. Well, decided to throw in the pacifier. So, what you can tell is <laughs> my most watched actor. <laughs> My most watched actor of the year right now with 11 movies Vin is Diesel? Vin Diesel. Ah, I yeah. love it. The movies. I remember um, everything about my father. <laughs> Guy, we, we, thought, we thought of you when during F9 when he goes, my father. <laughs> he goes, my grandfather. <laughs> like, why do you say it like that? Why are you doing this? But I, I love just, it. Yeah, I love it too. Yeah. But we were, um, we all Matt and I always talk about like how we think both Vin Diesel and Tom Cruise are on this similar trajectory where they make these worlds for themselves where they're like the super cool guy, but in real life they're complete and utter dorks. And as much yeah. as like I, I like Tom Cruise more, I think Tom Cruise is a much better actor than, than Vin, Di- yeah. Vin Diesel. But at the same time, I feel like Tom Cruise has this sort of idea of himself and when you're watching a mission impossible movie you're kind of really digging into the psychology of what Mm -hmm. tom cruise thinks of himself (laughs) where like in real life he's just a kind of weirdo which again nothing wrong with that but like it's almost like i'd rather him embrace him being a weirdo and just be comfortable with that where he never kind of feels comfortable being i don't know about that i actually kind of like this weird like that's the thing i love about like the fast series like i'm not particularly like a huge fan of them well, clearly you're uh, you're a huge Vin Diesel head with eleven I'm movies huge. watched. Uh, the Vin Army is out there, and but or the D, the Diesel heads. Um, <laughs> but like, I love how self serious. Like, yes, it wouldn't be nearly as fun or over the top if if he were, knew it was. Yeah, bad. <laughs> he kind of played it like a satire, right? right? I think the beauty of those movies is that they're so ridiculous but they, they are all in on it. And like, even with Tom Cruise too, you know, obviously with like a lesser extent, but it's like the, the just like absurdity of his stunts. Right. And like, just his mindset of like making movies is so intense and hyper-focused. And it's like, I kind of love that. Like, yes, I wish more people did stuff like that. And we would just get weird (laughs) things instead of, you know, just yeah like tom cruise does not need to do nearly as much as he does in the mission impossible movies there are stuntmen and special effects he does not need to but there's something about us watching him like cinemacon happened last week and one of the the things that they showed was that the craziest stunt he's ever done on mission impossible where he drove a motorcycle off a cliff and then parachuted himself like it's just like it's like you don't need to do it but like when you're watching it and you see like even the new top gun that's coming out where he learned to fly a fighter jet for real you're just like why did you do that like i just keep thinking of bill paxton in edge of tomorrow where he's just like what were you thinking (laughs) yeah and then going back to vin yeah those movies would not nearly be as fun as they are if everyone knew they were bad. Like everyone in those thinks they're making a dramatic fucking masterpiece. And that's, what's amazing about them is like Vin is so committed to it being this like incredible story about family and, and and everything that like, and you believe him that he believes that. And then that's what makes it amazing. 
uh, yeah, for me personally. Like I love, I it's, love them because of that. It's a great soap opera. And then also you even look at like the cast of those films with the exception of like, quote unquote, the guest stars, whether it be like, you know, Helen Kurt Mirren, Russell, Kurt Russell or yeah. someone like that. Like a lot of those actors have, you know, not, it's hard in Hollywood. I get that. But yeah. a lot of those, they don't have, have anything had, else. Uh, no, they don't. <laughs> and it is yeah. kind of weirdly kind of comforting and, and like this nice space, this safe space for them that they'll always have, you know, would it, you say it's, would you say it's a family? Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> exactly. totally. Well, that, that's then, the other thing as well now is that you are starting to get other films weirdly having this sort of like meta subtext conversation with, the fast franchise because we've seen black widow and shang chi which is coming out both also kind of tackling the subject of family within you know an action franchise it's ever since vin was group man he just brought that into the mcu and just he brought no, his I don't family know, yeah. roots into into the mcu can i totally unrelated yeah topic, but can i also just say i'm a little let down that you aren't drinking some monstrosity of a soda right now. Oh, Matt. I know. It's just regular, <laughs> regular Coke Zero. The new Coke Zero, though, which is actually true, quite yeah. good. Um, yeah, I know. I like it more, which might be controversial. I don't know. I haven't really talked to anyone who is like a, a Coke Zero <laughs> connoisseur. Um, I, I think it tastes more like, which is what they've ultimately tried to do, is taste more like regular Coke. So I feel like it yeah. doesn't have kind of like the aspartame kind of like fake With, uh bite to it which i think some you people get. are in right yeah which i think some people like but then i think that's why diet coke exists and that's why coke zero needs to be something different and um i i need to have some wild i like, know dude i'm trying to get mountain dew flaming hot i'm trying so hard come on oh micro God. influencer matt Rohrbeck gets almost 100 likes on his mountain dew tweet you gotta send me some fucking mountain dew oh, flaming yeah. hot no it's um, gotta happen no, I, I even looked – this is how stupid I am. I think Eric and I talked about that like now that, that we're doing the video show on, on YouTube as well as the podcast that you know having visual props and you know when you talk about a soda, not as interesting as if I can show you the dumb can and, and talk about it and show or you – Or opening Christmas presents it. in August. Yeah, which was our last audio-only episode, so did, <laughs> wasn't it? Did I tell you about that, Kyle? Mm -hmm. What? Or did you listen to it? Okay, so I, yeah, no, no, I, I listened to this one. Okay, <laughs> yeah, so so literally, I met Dad at the Royal Oak, which yeah, yeah. he didn't realize that there was a Royal Oak near us. So I had to drive out to the one near St. Clair, and after this is some meeting, real whippy contest. Yes. Yeah, so, oh yeah. You know, for <laughs> this the, is for the, the Durham heads. seven, the seven people in Durham region that listen to us. Yeah. So literally, I'm opening all these gifts, and like, I'm I'm telling Matt like this for people that listen. Who cares? But um, <laughs> I'm like, I bet I got Worthers, and I opened the huge thing of oh, Worthers. Like photo, every yeah. year, we get Worthers. It's like a pillow-sized bag it's of it's absolutely of Worthers massive. originals. I don't. I think you would die if you ate all of them i think like you usually finish the last one on december 24th and then you just get a new bag yeah, yeah. <laughs> it just renews it's like yeah. an advent calendar but for yeah. the whole year for the entire year yeah you know what I, you gotta you gotta give credit he's you know just like Consistent. the biggest bag possible yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. you know that's oh, what sweet. yeah i know it, literally yeah. uh <laughs> um Eric, would you watch anything else? I know Kyle and I have talked about it. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna uh, go to the bathroom while you talk. I will. Uh, I'll look on Letterbox myself here. Um, I rewatched uh, Bernard Rose's Candyman, which I still think I like more than Nia DaCosta's uh, film, but um, it's still of its time as well. Uh, I remember us watching that when we like you putting that on when we were kids, and that movie 
terrified me. Yeah, I mean, it's not a it's not a great movie to watch with you know younger people. Uh, it's very yeah. violent and and weird, but like it, it is also, fast. discretion. Like when we were growing up, so there's a five year difference between Eric and I. And, um, I feel like it was great because I got a lot of like I always talk about this with some of my friends, where like I, I never really watched super young stuff just because like you and Connor were both kind of dictating what we watched, right? Yeah. So we watched Leviathan on, 12 times. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Or like The Thing. Like I remember seeing The Thing when I was like seven, six. I don't know. And like, you know, um, anyways, yeah. Not irresponsible, but. Eric right, right, right. Well, yeah. you know, I mean, if I saw The Fly at a young age, you were okay to see The Thing yeah. or, you know, George P. Cosmatis is Leviathan. Uh, yeah. the, thing, the Thing 4K, I know is coming out physical in a couple of weeks, oh, but yeah. it's already on uh, Apple Movies in 4K uh, HDR. Oh. It looks so good. I watched the first like 20 minutes or so and I'm like, I might just sit here and watch the rest of The Thing, but it was like at one in the morning. It is one of those movies where you put it on, you know, and you start watching it and you just can't help but sit with it even if you don't yeah. end up it's like it's like when goodfellas is on like goodfellas is one of those movies where like literally i'll stop what i'm doing or i used to when it was on tv as a kid and like i would just watch it wherever it was you know wherever i started it from um, it's just so wonderful to see these 4k transfers that look like these movies were shot yesterday and like yeah. throw them on and i'm like i can't believe how good this looks like i remember watching the shining 4k and i was like this feels like this was shot last week and uh, I felt the same thing watching the opening of the of the thing because a lot of it I, I haven't seen a lot of the indoor stuff where it's a, probably a bit darker, but the outdoor stuff like it like with just natural lighting and stuff looks immaculate and just looks yeah so like good. the bright white sort of <laughs> yeah. scale and scope of of the Arctic tundra which is actually uh, Vancouver <laughs> right um, yeah. Uh, yeah anyway sorry I keep going but yeah, I didn't watch a, a a whole lot more but um I I will mention that Kyle you also <laughs> recently picked up and watched uh at least two of uh, the before yeah, movies the before, from the yeah. Criterion collection are you going to buy it again if it comes out on 4K <laughs> <sighs> <That's> <laughs> I'm gonna say no but I've literally watched those more of them like, off your brother. I was late. I was late to the before party. Same like I only same. watched them. Well, I can look on Letterboxd, but I feel like I've done that about four times now. I, I think like in 2016, I watched them. Um, and I remember the first time I watched them, I literally watched them like three times, I think in two weeks, like all three mm -hmm. of them. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Those are those, those like we're talking about Goodfellas. Like those are, those are those cuts of movies for me that I'm like, I could put those on at any time anywhere and I could just watch super rewatchable movies, but yeah, I got it. The only thing that kind of bothered me is when it showed up, um, the box is a little bit dented. And so I'm kind of, oh, yeah. you know, now being out in Vancouver, sending it back and then waiting to, you know, it's almost like not worth it. And I'm not as like particular with the, with, with my, yeah. you know, my stuff, as long as the, all the details are there and it's not too severe, but um, no, yeah, I watched, I watched uh, sunrise and sunset, which I find usually happens now. Um, midnight, I just find is a bit, of a tougher watch obviously for for the the ending and stuff but mm -hmm. um yeah those first two are great especially like i feel like aging through them um it's yeah you i, I love sunset sunset's probably one of my all-time favorite movies i think it's uh yeah they, they those they're just super special yeah I, 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 I know was... a lot of people who don't you know they watch and they're like oh it's just two people talking and they're totally fair um, like they shouldn't work, but I think if you tap into them, you're, you know, Oh, it's perfect. I think I've watched them when I, I guess around the time where I first met Nevis too. And I think that really kind of, I know that 
like we talked about the third movie, maybe not the happiest, but um, I, before midnight came out is when I actually ended up watching them. And I'm so glad right. I did because it, it is a wonderful trilogy. And I know they talked about that. They're not doing a fourth one, right? Cause they couldn't figure out a story for Well, technically they have done three and a half because waking life has those sure. two characters, characters in a segment. In yeah. Um, yeah, but I mean, like, now would be around the time where another one would come out, right? It's been almost yeah. 10 years or so, right? Yeah, like the Bare Naked yeah. Ladies, it's been. Yeah. It's uh, every nine years, I think. Yeah, right? So what was – was Mid- Midnight was 2013? Uh, midnight was 2013, so it would, so it would be, be next around, year. Yeah. They'd have to be in production, like, now. They, yeah, like, Linklater already has a film that is in post that was supposed to come out this year, but it's looking more like Netflix is going to release it in 2022, which is his Apollo 10 and a half movie, which is, like, this, again, like, Waking Life, where it's combining both live action, animation, and... Maybe sort of, they'll show up in that, you know. They might. You never know. Because, I mean, <laughs> he's bringing back a lot of people that he's worked with before. Like, Jack Black is going to be... Uh, one of the leads on that so i'm kind of i mean i'm always curious about richard linklater films even if they don't always work for me but i really do love the before trilogy and boyhood and i think he is one of those guys that is everybody wants some everybody yes he he, God, he makes he so makes much. the walking and talking movies look easy and i don't <laughs> think that they are and i think that that's always another thing as well where people you know read the synopsis or watch a trailer for this and it's like oh it's just like that's real life i don't need to go to the theater to escape to that or or it's gonna just be pretentious in terms of what they're talking about but if you give it a chance you really do fall for the characters and that that moment in time and the way that he captures you know the excitement of falling in love and the possibilities of what could happen and then how it matures over the course of these three films i think is so truthful and honest to what a relationship is because the first movie is very much like that almost high school-esque romance kind of thing and then as they grow these characters there's there is that maturity that comes into play that it's like okay well the real world is starting to set in you know and you have to realize that they're not kids anymore i I read i think ethan hawk was talking about it how someone asked him if they're gonna do a third and he made a great point he's like i don't know if there's a need because like if you look at it it's almost a complete circle mm-hmm. right you you have the completion of like the first movie opens on that couple on the the german couple on the train right um, kind of having an argument and then the last movie feels like it ends on that same kind of note um, right and so it does feel complete in a way the, the one question i was going to ask you guys is do you think that jesse ever paid sent the money to that club owner for that bottle of wine i hope so <laughs> i really do i, 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 I would like I, I would like to believe so in terms of just being an optimist in that situation because he did seem sincere in that moment. And I mean, whether or not he did, you have to give kudos to that bartender or that bar owner for Mm -hmm. doing that because there's not a lot of people that, that would, that they would just literally kick them out. So again, like that, you could almost look at that as like being like the fantasy element of a movie like this where hopeful. Yeah, exactly. Um, But I would like to think that he did. Um, but that is a very good question. That's that's one of those questions that uh, I think, I think should about be asked. <laughs> He's very convincing in terms of getting him to give him uh, the, the bottle. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, again, it's just one of those those trilogies where it's just like it. It is a perfect trilogy. Like it is so 
consistent throughout the entire sort of arc of their their journey and their relationship developing over time that it's 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 hard to think of uh you know another film trilogy that is not only for adults but just is again like completely and utterly transfixing from beginning to end and you and you mm-hmm. and you feel the devastate i think the third one is the best but i do agree with you kyle it is the hardest one to watch because it is more emotionally devastating by the end of the movie but um yeah. i just i i don't think i mean again you don't you couldn't have before midnight without the other two films but i just feel like that ending is so oh, yeah, perfect perfect yeah. i also wonder too how much of it is again like as you get older like you kind of gravitate to one more than the other i think like oh, absolutely! Like yeah, closer to that age. Yeah, um, yeah. No, I love that. I feel like they are movies that you could revisit every nine years too, when you're in a different point of your life, and and see them in a, conti- a completely different light, which I think is exciting too, because I haven't watched them since probably Midnight came out. I also have that beautiful uh, Criterion trilogy uh, pack, which is that should incredible. be the fourth film. It's just the bar owner waiting for the money. Yeah. To come in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's still waiting. Like that Spin should be off. the fourth film um, before bef- cinematic universe. Before we go into our next segment um, or, or before Matt maybe talks a little bit more about some sure. stuff that he's been watching. Uh, the other movie I wanted to uh, quickly mention Kyle that you also picked up recently uh, uh, on, on disc, you know, physical media, Woo! Uh, yeah. the American friend, which is a movie oh, that, that movie. you have now become obsessed with uh, as, as one should the Vim vendors movie. You know, Paris, Texas is the, is a gateway drug. Uh, and uh, the American friend, no, the American friend is amazing. I, um, I watched, yeah, again, like last year, I just kind of was like, you know, when COVID hit, I, I went to a bit of a, not to make this big story, but I, I kind of went into a bit of a, you know, I feel like a lot of us did where it was a bit of an excitement to be like, Oh my God, I have time. Yeah. And you know, um, you know, being Eric's younger brother, he knows every movie that's ever existed and, you know, is very encyclopedic with that. So, um, I always feel like I'm kind of, it's nice cause I have a reference point, but I'm also always trying to like, you know, branch out and do your own thing. Yeah. Well, no, not that just get more and like, you know, so we can talk about stuff and, um, and anyway, so I, yeah, I just kind of started going through the Criterion Collection and I'd pick directors and just got to go. And I ended up on uh, Vim Vendors and um, yeah, I was like, oh, Paris, Texas, beautiful movie. What's this other, what's the American <laughs> friend, you know? And I, I think I had heard of it, but it wasn't like, you know, I had mainly heard of uh, Paris, Texas. And so I, I watched it as I, I was just floored. Like to me, it's, it's one of the richest films I've ever seen where like for me, I always kind of gravitate to, if I can't see you making the moves behind the script i'm a huge fan like it almost feels Seamless. like you're reading yeah it feels like you're reading a good novel almost and um i just yeah that movie i i don't know what it is i mean um the performances are great it's just so strange and yet <laughs> makes perfect sense like i haven't i really admire how bold kind of some of the very like it could be such a simplified story and then there are moments like at the end um the whole and i don't want to give it away but the whole sequence at the end of the movie is not exactly how you like it just kind of hits you and you're like what this is okay great um the lead character is just i found you know he's very vulnerable and almost like clumsy and uh he's real and i I just i don't know yeah that whole movie it just really captivated me and i mean we all like watching movies that kind of grab us like that right like so I was just, yeah, I watched it and it totally floored me. And I've watched it a few times since. And then uh, the Criterion sale happened, what, like a month ago. Um, so I grabbed it and uh, I haven't looked back. 
And it, yeah. it's also fascinating to think that, like, again, to your point, it is a very strange movie and it's it's an international film. And obviously, you know, having a European filmmaker direct both Paris, Texas and The American Friend and seeing the European sort of lens mm-hmm. on uh, sort of the American genres, whether it be Western or sort of spy intrigue kind of stuff or mystery being interwoven from that point of view and thinking that like a lot of people, when they talk about Patricia Highsmith's adaptations, they obviously go to the talented Mr. Ripley first. And, and, and it's, a, that's a great movie. I, I really think it's Anthony Mangella's best film. Um, it is but, a good movie, yeah. but, but it is fascinating that people don't necessarily think of Dennis Hopper's Tom Ripley uh, when, when talking about, you know, the Ripley canon, so to speak. Also, just Dennis Hopper in general is one of the most like captivating actors I think that's ever existed. Like, you know, he just that movie, you know, the scene where he's taking the Polaroids on his <laughs> Canada Dry neon sign lit uh, pool table. And he's I think he sheds a tear and it's just like, why is this scene in the movie? But like, I'm so happy it is because this is what makes the movie, you know, like scenes like that. Or when he just emerges from the train. Again, I'm giving some away, but he emerges from in the train to save his buddy and just start slapping the hell out of this gangster. And it's just like, what is going on? This is amazing. And, and he's wearing a he's, cowboy hat half the time. It's yeah. It's, and he's got this, <laughs> like now it looks really cool, but it's, you know, it's just like his whole style. And like, again, like his final moment in the movie is very interesting. And um, just a very, yeah, I, I really, really like that movie a lot. It feels like um, if it were made now, it would be really revered. I think, you know, it would be an A24 film, probably. 100%. Yeah. yeah. I think it's just very daring yeah. um, in a lot of ways. And the cinematography, too. I mean, obviously, you, oh, yeah. you know, Robert Mueller, who worked with some of the best, you know, directors and, and his collaborations with Vim Vendors are, are, are amazing. But again, you look at that style, like that style now is very much in fashion again, like that kind of like yeah. sickly neon look um you know in sort of a contemporary setting uh but yeah dennis hopper is just one of those guys i know you've been you know you you rewatched blue velvet at some point and have been watching the twin peaks well you know, we so talked about speed yeah know. exactly yeah. you know uh Pop quiz hot shot yeah <laughs> <laughs> matt has to get his <laughs> super mario rose but it's just yeah he's just one of those guys that's just like completely captivating on screen and unpredictable like you never know like even when it is a written script and produced and everything is structured around him it's it's just like watching this this animal you know it feels alive yeah Yeah, his performances always feel alive and i think um maybe i'll rewatch super mario brothers i haven't seen it in a very long time (laughs) i have the japanese blu-ray i can send it over or something i don't know but i think it's getting we just talked about yeah it's getting a european blu-ray australian uh umbrella yeah umbrella is releasing it on blu-ray so that that probably means that we will be getting uh north american blu-ray at some point probably within the next two to three years uh maybe okay hopefully Is it Criterion? Is Liguzamo Luigi? Yeah. 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 Well, you know who they originally wanted for Luigi was Tom Hanks. Oh, really? Yeah. And Tom Hanks at that point. That would have been also incredible. Well, at at that point in his career, Tom Hanks was on a a downward spiral because Mm -hmm. after Big, he 
was in movies like Bonfire of the Vanities and things like that. And that was kind of killing his career. The film that saved him was a league of their own. And the producers really? of super Mario brothers said, we don't want Tom Hanks because oh he's God. bought off his poison. And then that would have maybe killed his career. I mean, look, Leguizamo bounced back and yeah. You know, I mean, the only one that's from that movie Tom Hanks back. career now is Chet Hanks. Sure. Yeah. Basically. <laughs> um, keeping it within video games, um, not really movies, but very cinematic. I've been um, following along, um, not playing them, but watching the story of Metal Gear. Um, so on over on Kind of Funny, I'm wearing the hat. I've been on their show. I don't know if I've talked about it before, but um, I was watching their streams of Barrett Courtney and uh, Snowbike Mike and the crew um playing through the original metal gear solid which you know i was obsessed with those games as a kid of metal gear solid sons of liberty which is the second game and then snake eater the third game on playstation 2 um but i forget how dense and um and you know before their time they were almost and hideo kojima who is a great Twitter follow. Uh, if anyone a fan of movies doesn't know who Hideo Kojima is, creator of Metal Gear Solid and just obsessed with movies. For a guy who's so obsessed with movies, I'm shocked he hasn't made a movie because those games are basically just 90% cutscene with like 10% gameplay. Um, so I've been going through and rewatching or re kind of experiencing the story because I was too young at the time to really grasp the actual story of metal gear and it's so convoluted and there's so much thrown into it that especially as a dumb you know between 10 and, and 13 year old i did not grasp any of it i only remember like gameplay elements and i just remember as a kid not understanding what the fuck was going on at all so it's been such a blast to kind of watch it with those guys and they've neither of them had played through the series before so watching on twitch or on youtube uh, of them playing through it and experiencing it with them. And I remember moments of like, you know, riding, you know, being naked and covering his junk and running around. And I'm like, Oh, I definitely got to that point in that game, but I don't remember it. And then uh, of like, what was happening in this story and Kojima just that game, metal gear solid two specifically was so ahead of its time. And if you go back and just experience moments of that, of talking about like manipulating, you know, fake news and just uh, trying, you know, the government being corrupted and just kind of trying to just so many things that are so prevalent in 2021 for a game that came out in 2001, right after nine 11 um, that like so much of it is kind of, like mind blowing of how relevant it is 20 years later and how more relevant it is today than it probably was there. Cause it was right at the beginning of the digital age. And you can just see these things in Kojima's head where um, he basically predicted how things played out over those next 20 years in that game. And uh, it's been such a blast that, you know, I'm, they be, they're just at the end of the second game that I went on YouTube and they have edits on YouTube called, metal gear whatever game it is the movie and someone went through and just edited the cutscenes together and small snippets of important gameplay and i've just been obsessed with it where i watched four and a half hours of metal gear solid 3 yesterday on on youtube the whole Amazing. story of metal gear solid 3 and now i'm on metal gear solid 4 sons of the patriots which is kind of the the last game in the chronology of the main series and it's like a seven and a half hour cut of like the movie version of metal gear 4 uh, metal metal gear solid 4 because there are 
Metal Gear 1 and 2, which were for like the original NES and MSX and stuff like that. Um, but it's just the most like anime, wild, uh, uh, it's so interesting of taking place in the in the US and involving the president and the CIA and all these kind of things and coming from this you know Japanese man who just uh, is kind of obsessed with movies you see all the kind of references in, that he's to other games and other movies and things like that and just some of the themes that he's playing with in those three games or four games and and the spin-offs and then uh, I can't wait for this thing because I know Jordan Voigt Roberts is supposed to be making you know, the movie version with Oscar Isaac. And I really want these to be great. And if they just kind of much like I talked about the last of us TV series, if it just kind of really involves the creators and kind of takes what's great about that story and just puts it in a different lens to have it exposed to people who wouldn't normally play a video game or sit and watch a seven and a half hour YouTube video um, multiple times. Uh, I'm just so excited because it's just such a fun, silly, but still, with dense important kind of themes throughout of it and i'm just like obsessed with it right now so i'm like two hours into the seven hour movie cut of metal metal i can't say it metal gear solid uh it's okay i said um, pisters earlier yeah so (laughs) i've just been watching a lot of metal gear and i know eric you're not a game guy kyle were you i did have metal gear solid 2 on the playstation 2 uh that's the only video game eric i think has ever owned no 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 after n64 well it was a it was Grand definitely Theft Auto, like a huge Grand Theft Auto thing. three because I got the yeah. when I got um, PlayStation two that's that where was the Eric's last rage console. cage was yeah yeah when I got the yeah. when I got that console for Christmas when it first came out uh, it was like the starter pack it was uh, Grand Theft Auto uh, Grand Theft Auto three uh, Grand Turismo three um, Metal Gear Solid two and Dark Cloud like the uh, the Link uh, oh ripoff. I know it yeah. Um, yeah and oh, I never yeah. played any of them other than I used it as a DVD player <laughs> yeah. And then you wouldn't let me use it to play real video games, which nope. was always a blast. Yeah, I mean, God, Metal Metal Gear is just on another level, and that second game really just blew my mind. Um, experiencing is, is, it as is like the a... developer involved with the so, creative for the film, or is he just kind of like hands off? Kojima, uh, I think, is going to be an executive producer, and he's like friends with Jordan Voight Roberts because okay. Voight Roberts is obsessed with metal gear as well just like anyone who is kind of of our age and and loved video games uh was and um i i think it's in good hands and uh, he's supposed to be involved so and i think you need him to be involved because like uh konami who um is the company that released metal gear throughout history like kojima had a falling out with them and he left to go out on his own and he did death stranding which has mads mikkelsen and and norman reedus and um and tons of other people in it um tons How of dare du- you forget nicholas Wunding Refn. yeah Refn and guillermo del toro and like all his favorite like movie directors as cast and but awesome. weirdly only their likeness a lot of the times he casts a different actual voice actor as them it's weird um he's a weird guy and his games are weird and like metal gear is weird and like i just i want it done right and i think if it's done right it could be this massive kind of um blockbuster film series because you can kind of just see if they adapt each game for exactly what it is and just kind of you know update it a little bit and um but kind of you know it's so much of it is already so cinematic for games that came out in the late 90s and early 2000s and then going into the mid 2000s and even metal gear 5 uh, solid 5 came out just a couple years ago but um 
the story is awesome. And that second game, just touching on, you know, some wild topics of like, uh, I'm on the Wikipedia just to get the thing. So it, it touches on the information aids. Uh, I'm going to zip up for one hearing. second. I just got to use yes. the bathroom. Censorship, AI, you know, post-truth politics, fake news, echo chambers, and like all this stuff that is just so prevalent right now that it's just, there's a, a sequence that I even just want to post, but um, I know these guys are, uh, they're almost there at the end of the second game. And um, but I even want to just send it to you, Eric, because there's this one sequence right at the end and this like monologue by uh, one of the characters that I'm just like, how was this 20 years ago and not something that was made yesterday? But I really hope the Oscar Isaac film and gets made. And um, I just if they just kind of stay true to that story, I could think it could be so visually spectacular. And just that like with Dune coming out, I think Dune will be an interesting well, also with Oscar kind of. Isaac, right? Yeah, and I think it'll be an interesting kind of thing because I see some stuff in there that obviously Kojima was probably inspired by Frank Herbert's Dune and and well, John Carpenter too, right? There. Like, and, I mean, and, Solid yeah. Snake is basically Snake Plissken, and in the second game, uh, Snake is undercover and his name is Iroquois Plissken <laughs> in the game. For like, it's so a lot of it is on the nose and and very overt, but like. You know, it's almost eccentric and and kind of fun because of that. Like Kojima, just you know, he wears his heart on his sleeves and his and what he's inspired by. And he reminds me of Tarantino a little bit in that way, where he's just like, yeah, I'm gonna steal shit and just kind of put it out there, but put my own twist on it and show you what I love and make this new thing from it. And you can kind of see that with like everything he's doing isn't necessarily hasn't been done before but the way that he puts it together and the stuff he rips off or his original stuff is just so cool and and it's put in this really kind of fun james bondy spy kind of package that it, it just makes for this really weird um really kind of interesting story that just gets really wild and touches on some really interesting topics and themes so like i really want those movies to be great and i think dune will be an interesting testing ground for like you know, adult kind of weird sci-fi and, um, and like, I mean, I, we talk about Blade Runner bombing and I really hope Dune does, does well because like, uh, I think something like Metal Gear to give it an R rating and to give it a huge budget and like, especially being a video game adaptation too, which obviously has notoriously just pumped out really, really bad movies. Um, so there's a lot of risk going in there, but I really hope that, uh, it ends up being done right and i hope kojima is really involved because i know with his falling out with konami they were worried that maybe he'd just be like i'm done i'm not doing anything with them anymore but um yeah i, I hope it's done right because like i'm i'm just having a blast watching these movie versions on youtube and um i just want to see like a big screen adaptation of it i think it'd be so cool does the uh do the graphics from like the older stuff does it like is it good enough that it doesn't matter like yeah so they did hd transfers of them because the original games yeah. were in obviously 4.3 and you know 480p or whatever you could get uh back then so they re-released the games a couple times on like i think playstation 3 and xbox oh, okay. 360 so they're in 16.9 and he even uh redid all the cutscenes in like letterboxed widescreen as well oh, that's amazing. like an op that's an option you can get which is something he's also being a film fan obsessed with because they're doing a death stranding director's cut that's coming out in a couple weeks and he redid the whole game in 21.9 so you can play it letterboxed on your tv or whatever because he just a real that. Zack snyder um yeah and um so the original games were updated for 16.9 and the graphics, I think like they obviously don't look 
great in those, you know, in Metal Gear Solid uh, 1, 2, and 3, but you can see the progression. And I even love that he doesn't update the older games in like flashback sequences. So like if Snake is having a flashback sequence in Metal Gear Solid 4, which is on PlayStation 3, to stuff that happened in the first game, the graphics are still the graphics from the first game, but they're showing you like the flashback sequence, like in the game that obviously has much better graphics. And there's just like weird and it gets very meta and talking about, you know, soldiers and how they're controlled and, and all this stuff. And it feels like a, a war becomes a game and there's all this meta layers where they'll show you like the box art from the metal gear games. And like, there's all this and like, obviously psycho mantis in that first game, um, breaks the fourth wall and talks about what you had on your memory card for the PlayStation one. And like all the characters talking to you in the codec reference, like the controllers and like what buttons you're supposed to press, but it's just like, they're talking to snake of like how he's supposed to be doing things. And there's all this meta stuff that is all layered on top. That is just a blast as well. And there were moments where you had to like plug in a second controller because he knew what you were doing on controller one. So you plug in controller two and like, that's, that's how sweet. you would like, and like, or the game looks like it would shut off. Like he'll fuck with you. And it'll say like, you know, on the old TVs where it'd be like, what uh, output you had on. So the yeah. game would be a black screen. And then in the top corner, it would say like Kojima one or whatever. And it would look like your game shut off. Or there's another moment. I think that you literally have to shut off your game and restart it to get like to another point. And like, there's all this meta stuff that I think will be interesting in a movie format, how they go about those things, if they even include them at all, but playing um, with the medium itself. Yeah. Within the, yeah, that's interesting. So I, I hope that kind of stuff comes through and, and, um, it's just those games are so ahead of their time, I think. And like, um, and now I'm reappreciating them as an adult now and being able to actually, they're still super convoluted and absolutely ridiculous. Like deal with like genome soldiers and cloning and like snake and big boss. So big boss was the original snake and he cloned himself four different times. And there's like the villain is liquid snake who is your brother, but he's also a clone of big boss and, and solid snake is talk a, about how liquid snake is a great handle. Yeah, exactly. And every, Everyone has cool code names like Big Boss and and uh, you know Crying Octopus and like everyone's got these like cool fucking code names and it's just so weird and, and interesting and 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 just so many twists and turns and they're all very like anime and like ridiculous but um, and just but it puts on this um, militaristic U.S. lens on everything too and like the president was a former you know clone of Big Boss Solidus Snake and like there's just all this wild stuff and that's not even the tip of the iceberg of like the ridiculous twists and turns that these games have and like I just think it could be really fun in in a film format and I hope we're getting to that era that I know I bring up a lot on this show is like wanting video game adaptations to be great because there are some great things out there um it's just we haven't done a great job translating them into a different medium to kyle's point where um you know yeah the jump the jump just seems to always fall apart like video games Um, we're getting there though kyle we have the alicia vikander tomb raider and the adaptation of werewolves within 
you know, which are just, you know, just past that bar of being okay. <laughs> it's just like, we're finally making a little bit of progress when it comes to literal adaptations. Cause I don't count stuff. That's just video gamey, but like, right. Um, like free guy people liked, even though we didn't or really care Ralph for it or, or wreck like Ralph and, and yeah. Scott right. Pilgrim to an extent too. It, some people consider a video game movie, but um, or King of Kong, fistful of daughter, da- daughters, daughters, <laughs> daughters. Oh, Jesus, <laughs> Jesus, Eric, um, <laughs> that's a different movie. I haven't watched that one, no. but um, yeah, the Seth so Gordon anyways, film, yeah, yeah, and I, I know what you're talking about, but yeah, I, I those so are I dogs, hope, and they, they're you know, I movies. think, um, and you even saw Voight Roberts have a little bit of that in, I think, um, his Kong film had a little bit of metal, metal gear in it with the samurai sword and the gas mask sequence with uh, Hiddleston and um, obviously playing with scope with Kong and stuff will be interesting with the giant metal gear, like robots and stuff like that, or, or um, I think could be cool. So I don't know. I, I hope it, it's great. And I think Oscar Isaac is a great actor and an interesting choice for, for snake. So very um, solid I, pick. I feel like yeah. solid snake. Yeah. 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 I think it's good. Like, I mean, and David Hayter who um, had, did the voice of, of snake for the majority of the games is a screenwriter. Like he wrote X-Men, I think. And, like, and Watchmen. He adapted. Um, and Watchmen. Uh, yeah. Center, yeah. And I think he tried to submit a script for Metal Gear that Sony didn't really love or something. But um, And then they had Kiefer Sutherland come in and do the voice, which people weren't super thrilled with that they recast him in metal gear solid five but uh, are you a, are you an nhl guy Matt? yeah yeah you see the I 22 am. trailer yeah I, I did i i'm like i'm hopeful that going full circle back to hockey that um there was a deep dive today on world of chell that i want to watch after we're done oh, here like a 30 minute video uh, i'm hopeful because i i do have a ps5 that like um, oh, nice. I want this new engine um and i want to see if that yeah and i want to see if that you know improves anything or makes it feel like a different game a little bit like i'm sure like i think a step back in graphics is totally fine if the game mechanics are 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 nice i'm gonna buy it regardless like i know same i'm a sucker sucker. yeah i know i'm I'm a a franchise mode guy and like i feel like it's a very neglected aspect to the game and i I hope they improve that too but i i saw on their content calendar or release calendar like that they're gonna do a deep dive on that. So I'm hoping so you that hope that means they added some, some, yeah, yeah. I'm still stuff. on a PS4. So, um, every time I buy a console, I'm like, this is the last one. So we'll, we'll see if I, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm hopeful that this new engine kind of, um, I buy it every year too. I'm a sucker. I've gotten better at sometimes waiting until it goes down to like, yeah, yeah you gotta wait till around like Christmas, Christmas. Time. And then it's usually 40 bucks instead of 80 or 90 or whatever it it's is now. Absurd. It's, it's yeah. ridiculous. But like this year, I'm probably going to buy it right away just because of the new engine and that I want to, I hope I get into this alpha or this beta that they're doing because I signed oh, up right. for it. And um, just to kind of give it a test. And also I know with EA Play, which is their subscription service, you can get like 10 hours for free uh, as right. a trial version because I've been playing Madden 22 a little bit just because I wanted something. I like sports games just to throw on yeah. and, and play a little bit. Like the story mode in Madden is – I like that they have a story mode with like cutscenes and shit, but everything looks like it's like PlayStation 2 graphics because you can tell they just don't put a lot of – The stories are like, also always so dramatic. And they're so corny <laughs> too. They're so corny. Like, they're not real problems for athletes. Yeah. Like, no, it's um, just like I could see an athlete going through and playing a story mode being like, what the fuck is this yeah, shit? Like, is this? Yeah. like, this is just so corny and bad. Um, 
but I like I the be a pro stuff I used to go through, but I know they added some story elements in, in last year's game, but I didn't really play much of it. I'm a franchise guy too. And I want to yep. get more into the online stuff, but now this year is going to be even weirder and more fragmented because there's no cross gen and there's no cross play, which most games right. have now. So if you have a PS4 and I have a PS5, we should be able to play, but because the engines are different, we're not going to be able to at oh, all. Oh, so is the Frostbite engine not on the PS4 version? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's they still have it's Great. still the it's still the old version on uh PS4 and Xbox. So, so like it literally is just it was just gonna be the games the same game. And that's what uh, the the struggle with NHL has been for the last, you know, five plus yeah. seven years. Basically, you know, and I'm also worried because the first game on a new system it's, it's usually pretty bare bones like it's it's yeah. usually like we had to focus so much on putting it on a new engine that there's nothing else and i'm like yeah. all right cool um so i'm i'm i'll buy it anyway because i've probably bought in every nhl game since 98 and i like uh or even earlier your, like with 94 but what's your favorite what do you have a favorite soundtrack song from the all-time Oh my god! Um, maybe some like treble charger or something okay. like uh, so, what was it? American Psycho or yes. like that's a, yes. like that era. Um, that era of like NHL in the early two thousands probably was like um, great time for music. Just, it's funny because that happens <laughs> frequently where I don't remember until a song comes on the radio or something, and I go Nevis know where i love this song it's like just like nhl because i'm like my whole like i'm not a music guy but like the yeah. nhl video games was like i etched in my brain yeah. on each one of like when a song comes on i go it's from NHL. And when you were 90s. a kid you like you never turn the music off when you're a kid no yeah um, i always i always fancied the uh sweetness by jimmy Eat world oh uh, yeah that was my song world, yeah. nhl three and it's like yeah. yeah it's funny yeah they they bring you right back to it um, i might add a whole bunch of someone's probably put those playlists together on, oh, on spotify or apple music sorry or eric we, like, not, we had to talk that's about okay it. you guys yeah, are getting into it um yeah. and then Sports. final finally um uh, i've been watching brooklyn 99 this season which seems like they're just kind of dumping out because each week they've been doing it's the final season of brooklyn 99 and they've been doing two episodes a week so i feel like they're just that's usually when they're just trying to get through the end of a show and just get it out as quickly as possible and um and you can tell that like obviously with you know uh maybe too little too late but with the uh, uh you know the killing of george floyd last year and, and and things like that that you know um they're trying to touch on a lot of you know that side of you know social commentary that brooklyn 99 never really touched on before being a show obviously about you know a, a, a police precinct that i just feel feels i'm it's great that they're doing it but being the last season um it all feels weirdly out of place and a little bit forced that like, uh, you know, Jake is finally getting in trouble for some of the things that he does is like Rosa quits the police force, which isn't a spoiler. It's at the very beginning of the, the season, but they still have to kind of have a way to bring her into every single episode. And ultimately the show still is about them working at this uh, police precinct that it just feels like for a, a, a workplace comedy, um, I'm. It, it is good that they're doing it, but it almost feels a, weirdly a little too little, too late. Where you didn't touch on much of that throughout the entire right. series until now, um, with police brutality and and 
just how people perceive, you know, uh, the police in, in 2021. And, and it's interesting, but um, it's not like I'm going to Brooklyn nine, nine for that. And I almost didn't think of it as a cop show until, you know, they, um, but I guess you kind of have to address that. Cause if you don't, then I feel like maybe that's also weird. So I yeah, don't know. it's like willful ignorance, I guess, but yeah, no, yeah. it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I know Eric. You are you caught up on uh, Kyle? Do you watch it at all or no? I I watched like the uh, I watched like the first couple seasons. I think mm-hmm. um, yeah. I fell off a little bit. It's just yeah, it's too positive for me. Back yeah, in the, you know, I like to cry when I watch things. So. That's fair. That's fair. And You're then Eric, I know you watch it, but you usually wait until the yeah. whole season's out, right? Yeah, yeah. Up. And I and I will catch up with it. With it, I know what you are saying though. With the sort of like the too little, too late, but it's almost like. Also, you're damned if you do, or you're damned if you don't. Yeah, you know, like I think you're kind of like you have to address it because it's not a workplace comedy like The Office, where it's just offices and like paper. Like it, it is because it does take place in a police precinct, and it is sort of has always been geared towards police, but it's also not like Law and Order or something like that, where like you look both being you know NBC shows where Law and Order is so pro police and it's like okay well this has to sort of deal with you know police brutality and also sort of just corruption within um the system and it's like okay well how is something like that going to deal with it because it's always been so much on the police side like there's been i mean on twitter recently there's this been there's been a weird sort of discourse between everybody focusing on chris maloney's butt to you know chris maloney's character elliot stabler being a character who got the results that he did because of force and not Mm -hmm. because of actually following procedure so Mm -hmm. you look at something like that where it's like okay that does need to address those things and obviously it's not going to address or even blue bloods like things like that that are like more conservative shows for you know your parents or or grandparents And you know that those shows aren't going to handle uh, those topics that well. It's just how it is. Um, but with Brooklyn Nine-Nine, you're not necessarily expecting them to bring in social commentary because it is a goofy half an hour sitcom, essentially. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I agree with you. It's, just, it's, it's a fine line to walk. And you have to respect them for doing it. But at the same time, it's like, okay, how, how can they bring this into this tone of, of, of television? I think they've done an okay job. Like I'm still enjoying the season and even the way that they're doing it of like having, um, you know, uh, john uh mcginley playing the head of the police union oh hell yeah um, and, and just having does he, him does he tell such... that, that does he tell andy sandberg's character jake peralta that he's young dumb and uh full of yeah, steam he, and punk? no 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 he doesn't uh, but watch uh, that movie last night or oh really yeah because yeah. john c mcginley's uh the the nice. police chief in that he's, yeah he's always yeah. angry at uh point break yeah yeah so he's um he's great because they almost make him this ridiculous caricature of like you know the police the the head of the police union just wanting to get everyone off scot free and no one held accountable for their actions and it's just, like so they still put their own spin on it to be like this is so absurd how you know it is in real life that will make him this over the top kind of caricature uh, and it kind of like works for the show while still having a little bit of commentary on it um, without being like, I mean, it's still pretty like on the nose, but it, it, it's a, 
it, it needs to be that. And then you have like, like I said, with Rosa being a, a private investigator and quitting the force. And then you have like uh Scully who retired, no, sorry, Hitchcock retired. And he's just not on iPad for the whole season. <laughs> like always there with, with, uh, with Scully um, is ridiculous. And then you have like Amy trying to do like reform in the, in, in the NYPD. So there's like all that kind of plot line. And Terry's still the worst character in the show. Terry Crews, not a huge fan, and I think he's the worst character on Brooklyn Nine Nine. I'm just gonna throw it out there. I don't know if that's a you don't hot like take, Terry. But you don't like Terry Crews. Not a huge fan, and I just feel like his character in the show is the the least interesting. And Holt is the best, and um and I do remember Holt being my Holt is great. Andre Brower is amazing. Yeah, Andre Brower yeah. is amazing. And I, I um, like Terry Crews though. That's interesting. I've never yeah, I don't know. Maybe Holt. I just don't like him in this show. Like I think maybe right. he's fine when he shows up in other things for the most part, but. But um, him talking in third or first person, um, third person, first person, first person um, is just third. annoying to me. And I just don't um, in third person. Right. Yeah. If you're, if, like if you said Matt. Feels yes, it's third. OK. Yeah. 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 Anyways, he does that a lot. And um, but I like him in like the Expendables movies and stuff like that when he shows up in weird like other places. But um, in this show, I just. I think he's – I like Boyle. Boyle is so funny. And um, I just – I do really genuinely That's love Nikolai. the show. Or is it Nikolaj? Nikolaj. Um, so anyways, enjoying it, but um, it, it's just – that stuff feels weirdly out of place. But also, like you said, damned if you do, damned if you don't. So I feel like you need to kind of bring that up. So. I'll try anyways, a real like, blue plate special. Yeah. Blue, blue <laughs> flame. Yeah. Um, I guess that was a, a very long, what have we been watching? So we can kind of just, um, it's going to be the longest podcast. Nah, nah, we'll, we'll, there's not a ton of news to be honest. And the trailers, like, um, we can kind of just quickly go over cause we will be right. reviewing quite a few of them at. Sorry about that, everyone. I don't know what the hell happened, but our first technical difficulty in the video era of Untitled. But we are back. Matt, it's okay. Um, you can just blame me. It's I fine. sabotaged this whole thing. I, I think, am well, here to announce my own <laughs> podcast. Rips out NWO shirt. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the titled. Yeah, the titled. Um, I mean, it, I guess it was a perfect time for it to crap out because we were about to segue into the other kind of couple sections of the show. So um, I was saying that um, the trailers we can kind of go through quickly because of TIFF is coming up and like the majority of trailers that are dropping right now, I feel like are movies that are playing the festival circuit. So, you know, Eric and I will have reviews of some of these movies, at least um, on untitled movie reviews on YouTube and podcast services everywhere during TIFF, which is coming up in the next couple of weeks, September 9th to the 19th. We'll have tons of reviews uh, for a lot of these, but you got trailers for Spencer power of the dog snakehead, um that are all playing the festival um what the hell did i watch a trailer called i'm your man why do i have that on there what is that that is the uh dan stevens playing oh that's also robot. playing tiff and yes. he's yeah. speaking german just a quick yes. question for you matt um yeah just so you don't run into more technical stuff and you can always cut this out yeah i'm seeing no levels. we're gonna leave it in I'm seeing levels for my mic and Eric's mic, but I'm not, not seeing the levels two. for yours. I've had this problem before. Is it just on it's, my it's, end? I'm not seeing yeah, it. Yeah, okay, yeah. Okay, I just want to make sure it. you're it's getting 
Yeah, yeah, I'm getting audio, audio, so okay, it's perfect. fine. No worries. Cut this out. This um, is this is prime content. No, we, Kyle. we have you watched ever. or listened to our <laughs> this show? Is the sauce. We're yeah, this the... is people like this. This is what they come for. Um. So, anyways, yeah. So you have a bunch of. Uh, yeah, I saw your face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have two of us um, on here now, Adam. And I have a straight zero to... now. Yes. Um. So changing it up. Um. Which is basically, I'm like, I should just be drinking like lemon lime soda water. Why is it do like I like a it, you know, it's just with, with fake sugar in it, basically. Right. Um, so anyway, Spencer, Power of the Dog, Snakehead, and I'm Your Man, all playing uh, Tiff this year. Uh, kind of, Eric, uh, any quick thoughts on them? Like, it, Yes, it- very excited to see uh, Jane Campion uh, back uh, after not having directed a film in 10 years. Yeah. Um, but I will say Whistling. with both. Yeah, yes, I, I will say with both uh, the power of the dog and Spencer, there's something that is omitted in those trailers, which and is that lead is... actor's accents. Exactly, Benedict Cumberbatch and, and Kristen Stewart are two actors that aren't great with accents, and to have them playing uh, American and British respectively, um, swapped. Yeah, yeah it'll be interesting to see the films because in the trailers you get very little. And of that. it seems like they are hiding it in both, which is yes. like, if you know that then, I mean, there's one line from Kristen Stewart um, that you actually get her speaking and then Cumberbatch doesn't speak at all in the trailers. So that does have me worried a little bit as well, but. Um, but he, he does, he does the American accent in all the uh, Marvel movies, does he not? Yeah, I think his strange accent is fine. Um, but when he does the Southern accent, it, it can be a little bit rough. Right. It, yeah. He's done that a few times recently where it just, it's cartoonish to the point where it's like, he's basically playing Yosemite Sam or something like that instead of the character. So, um, I am hopeful though, because I, I, again, like it looks beautiful. Uh, It's having read a little bit about uh, the power of the dog. It's based on uh, Thomas Savage's 1967 novel, which is one of those novels that like was not very popular at its, the time of its release, but has since then been, been reappraised and people like Cormac McCarthy have always been championing uh, the work of, of Thomas Savage, who's a guy who kind of looks at the American West, but sort of deconstructs it from the point of view of looking at machismo type characters and sort of breaking down the facade and seeing what's really, you know, the underlying core of their motivations and who they are. So um, I'm really fascinated by that film in particular. And, and, and I mean, obviously with Pablo Lorraine directing Spencer, the obvious comparison there will be, you know, he's doing a companion piece to, to Jackie. Jackie. Yeah. So yeah, I'm excited for both. Um, I thought the trailers were, were solid. Uh, I mean, we're going to see them in a week or, or two. So um, I'm pumped about that. And then with Snakehead and I'm your man, um, I think both movies that we'll probably try to cover at the festival as well. Um, both look like, you know, festival movies to me. Uh, uh, Snakehead, I like seeing, you know, Bad Boy Han. Um, speaking of Fast and Furious <laughs> in that, um, as well as in uh, Dan Stevens just uh, speaking German as a German robot um, is is interesting as well. I love Dan Stevens. German too. guest. The yeah. German guest. That was the original title. Yeah. yeah. So intrigued. We will have reviews for all four of those. And then the other couple, uh, obviously you guys can check out our 
reaction to um, if you listen to the hundredth episode, you might have seen Eric and I killing time at the very end of a two hour and forty minute podcast. Going, should we just wait until the Spider Man No Way Home trailer drops or not? And we waited for about five ten minutes, and we're like, it's got to be soon, right? And then we're like, we should just cut because we can't just sit here and just try to kill time until it it happens. So we cut, and then immediately, maybe five to ten minutes later, the trailer drops. So we decided to do you know one of those youtube reacts um for uh spider-man no way home so a little mini podcast and and that kind of brought up the interesting idea of of having untitled movie conversations as not just a interview show but also maybe as some one-off conversations about you know maybe it's a trailer maybe it's a specific topic maybe it's whatever so it is up on podcast services and on youtube um kyle have you watched that trailer yet or no are you yeah yeah. i'm curious because i I think the Spider-Man movies you kind of out of the MCU. I'm not you're you're not a huge MCU guy. I'm, but I'm, I thought, I'm kind of just in the middle with the yeah. MCU. I, it's just the fact that like there's just so much and yeah, I get that. Um, yeah. For for me, it's you know yeah, they're really enjoyable stuff for the most part. It's like it's meant to be yeah. crowd pleasers, but I just can't get into everything. So I kind of just you know listen for the the hype around stuff. But uh, Spider-Man and you, you guys talked about it in your your review, and I'm, I'm kind of similar to you, Matt. Like. I've always had a soft spot for Spider-Man. I've always mm-hmm. had a soft spider spot. Um, and <laughs> I, uh, yeah, so I, I, I'm excited. And, and I do like the direction of these Spider-Man movies. They feel, I feel like, and this sounds bad. It's not that I'm insulting, but as good as you're going to get in this kind of Marvel universe with Spider-Man, because like they feel unique enough, but they still definitely are building it to fit. With Part of that universe, yeah. To be a cog, right? And, and yeah. Machine, and um, and I understand that that's, you know, the whole, that's Disney's whole MO with, with, uh, the Marvel universe. So, um, but yeah, no, I saw the trailer. I think it's like really, it could be really fun. The, the thing is, is like, for me, I think, um, into the spider verse is like the best, I think superhero it's actually the best period. superhero movie of all time. Yeah, Maybe that's, I agree. It, it's grown on me so much that I, I think it's really, it just nailed everything. I think it's the best Spider-Man movie. And, it just feels like this is a bit of a reaction in a way to it. So I'm hoping it's not yeah. going to you know check it out. And I, I'm really excited to see um, some of the uh, Maguire era uh, villains. Toby face. Yeah, yeah. You're ready for Toby face. Yeah. I'm ready for Toby face, but like, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to see, you know, Defoe and, 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 and uh, like Green Goblin and Melina and as, as yeah. Doc Ock, like, as much as those movies are, you know, they've dated kind of, and, and yeah, they're of their awesome. time, but super fun and campy and, and iconic too. Yeah, yeah, and that'll be. What really about uh, Topher Grace's Venom? <laughs> you excited about that? I don't think he's going to be in it, but um, there are some other stuff that we didn't talk about in our thing because people have been anal- uh, analyzing the the trailer that they think that they even might have superimposed. Uh, Holland's face on some of the stuff because the suit that he's wearing is the exact same suit uh, Maguire is wearing in Spider-Man 2 right at the oh. time like at the end so they think like it might even be Tobey Maguire in some of those scenes where they just put Holland like they deep faked his face on on him or it's just they're replaying some of the moments from Spider-Man 2 but you know Tom Holland Spider-Man is in that st- he's playing that version of it. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's a misdirection, obviously in any case. It's yeah. going to be interesting to see, like, this is, this is one of those ones where I'm like, I'm intrigued to see how they're going to do this. 
Yeah, and it could it could go it could be super messy and not work at all, or it could be a lot of fun playing with that meta kind of like okay, these universes that you didn't think were part of this are now part of this, and I think like um, yeah, just I mean, Molina I think is one of the best. You know, his Doc Ock is one of the best villains I think in a superhero movie, and he just crushes right. that character. And Defoe too as Green Goblin is awesome; is so much fun. So that's the thing. Like um, as much as McGuire, you know, I think it worked, but I was always a fan of like the the villains in those first two um, a lot. I feel like they were a lot more iconic than any of the Spider-Man cinema villains that we got after. And yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, please. Uh, Michael Keaton as the vulture. Thank you. Very I love Michael Keaton's Keaton. vulture is great. I love the character. Yeah, it works. I'm not saying it's bad, but like it just, I, I, but I know what you mean. I, I think Doc Ock is one of those characters. Like it, they really put an emphasis on the sort of verses in the early, in the Sam Raimi era Spider-Man movies where you could tell that those characters or those, those kind of moments were iconic for the first time because it was the first, right? Like the first Spider-Man movie was a big deal. I think for all three of us, because it was like, I remember going to the AMC when it was AMC and Whippy and just thinking like how packed that first weekend was and how excited it, everybody was to see Spider-Man for the first time on the big screen, the way that, you know, like and seeing it multiple people have been thinking about. Yeah. Yeah. Like I saw that movie, yeah. I think at least two times in theaters when it came out when when I was a kid. And I was just trying to get everyone I knew to go see it, and uh, yeah, like those movies were very much you know I, if they came out now and I saw them, I'd probably just be like, "What the hell is this?" But for that time, like they were the most exciting, and they almost were like like I applaud Sam Raimi for just being like, "Let's just go all in on like being over." They're the comic topic. book movies, they're, they're, right? Yeah, like, yeah. And they're not you know they're they're pre Dark Knight where everything had to have some sort of tactile like grittiness to it and self-serious self-serious yeah. and yeah and there's something really yeah very they're colorful and yeah, yeah they're color colorful and campy but i i, I re-watched them with nevis um maybe last year or the year before because she'd only seen the newer ones the mcu spider-man movies so i'm like okay i have a feeling this third one is going to be important with these other ones so let's try to get this out of the way now so we're not rushing before you know did you do the uh, guard no way home yeah because they're obviously i mean jamie fox is confirmed to be in this and and it looks like the lizard uh rice reese is that his name reese fawns fawns um lizard might be in this as well and then everyone's like who's the sixth member of the sinister six so it looks like it'll either be mysterio not being dead or it'll be michael keaton's vulture as that sixth member i think because i right. think you have to have i think it'll it's be like Vul- a reality tv show um, who's going to be the sixth member of, of the sinister this. six i think it'll be michael Audition keaton's Bear. vulture because there's no way you keep that character alive have him in prison have him be the teaser stinger at the end of the the uh, of well, stinger Homecoming. i mean so, uh, scorpion. Scorpion. yeah well, scorpion shocker is still there too yeah because yeah, they alluded to shocker in in the in homecoming right well, because the original one dies, the not yeah. Logan Logan Marshall, Logan Marshall Green, Green yeah. shocker yeah. dies. dies. Yeah. And then um, it would be very confusing for non like comic book fans though to have Electro and and shocker. shocker. Yeah, I don't think you have two electric powered villains. I think too you, many electric people. This is my um, my shtick, man. I think, I think you're. I think you have to have to somebody Vulture. from Holland. I think era. it has to be Vulture because he's the first villain. He yeah. survived. He was so good in that first movie that I think. What a uh, lineup of! I think you have to have him. of actors. Yeah. When you think of like that cast of actors, though, like you have Alfred Molina. Oh, I get Will chills Defoe, thinking about that. It should, yeah. it should be so much Fox, fun. Thomas Hayden Church. 
possibly either Michael Keaton or Jake Gyllenhaal. Like that's like wait, that, Sandman, that is an amazing. Man's in this. Yeah, it's oh. so, he's supposed to be. Yeah, that's what they. Okay. Um, so well, if you're gonna pick somebody from the third Spider-Man movie, I feel like. Like that yeah. was Sam Raimi's thing where like, I mean, we've talked about this on the regular yeah. show before, Matt, where like you wanted Sam Raimi right? wanted it to be Sandman and then, and then Venom was kind of forced on him because that was what fans wanted. Yeah. And, and I think that it, it, it sounds so cool on paper where you're like, we're going to have every spider surviving Spider-Man villain spanning the three different Spider-Mans that we got that you have literally, um, <laughs> Dr. Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah. You have three villains, one from each movie in the Raimi verse. You have both both villains from the shitty fucking Andrew Garfield, uh, Mark Webb universe. And then you have one villain from the Holland one, the only one that survived in those first two movies, um, be part of the sinister six. And that's such an interesting way of introducing them. Finally getting there in a weirdly organic way where everyone was like, how do you get to the sinister six and build up six villains and introduce them. They always wanted to make a Sinister Six movie, or they always With wanted Drew Goddard directing. And like, right? yeah, and that I just feel like would if you just introduce new actors as all of those characters, like it doesn't work. But then yeah. you go, wait, we have this multiverse thing. People are familiar with these villains. They have a relationship with Peter Parker, even though it might not be this Peter Parker. But then you can involve their Peter Parker and Spider Man, and then you finally have this team up of these three Spider Men fighting the sinister six spanning, I wish that was the name of the movie Spider-Man. yeah um spanning three different universes and three different reboots and we made fun of spider-man being rebooted so many times and then it oh all it would be amazing you know movie. who the sick i wild. know who the sixth villain really is uncle ben yeah he's oh my back. god which martin well, sheen martin yeah. sheen have to be martin sheen what if it was no... like a conglomerate of all of yeah, them yeah yeah <laughs> uncle ben is tr- the true villain of this do guys, franchise do you remember eric when um homecoming was out and it was rumored that steve buscemi was going to be uncle ben in this universe because i remember that rumor and i kind of oh wanted god. it to be true but right um, but then also it'd be hey, it'd be a bummer because you have like Steve Buscemi being killed off probably yeah. in the first like 10 minutes oh, of the absolutely, movie. Yeah. But that is the other, if you're looking at it on the other side, I mean, the big complaint with a lot of superhero movies is like, there are too many villains and it's like, sure. How much time are we going to spend with the villains versus how many time, how much time are we going to spend with the heroes? I mean, that, I, that has been something that's talked, been talked about since like Tim Burton's Batman returns where you had like, you know, screen time wise, Michael Keaton's Batman is only in it for like 20 minutes. And then you have like the rest of the film focused on Catwoman and Penguin. Penguin as yes. much as I like those characters as well in those performances, it, it 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 is this weird sort of balancing act where, you know, that was one of the big complaints moving on with superhero films. It's like, okay, there are too many villains or too many characters but, to begin with, where this does feel like it is also going to be overloaded with not just your main cast, but you're also going to have a lot of these cameos potentially you know we've yeah. heard rumors of daredevil being in this we've heard is it a one-off of... that's I mean... another good question because like that, that it could be its own thing or it also could very much be a part of what the multiverse is you know like It'd some people are even saying and, that mephesto is behind and then having and sam raimi direct the doctor strange movie and doctor strange yeah. being in this and that being multiverse tied and there are rumors that like they're really trying to keep that movie under wraps. And they're like, if you're surprised at what's going to be in Spider-Man, they're like, you're going to, they're just wilding out over in multiverse of madness. So like, it's really interesting. And and I think that just adds fuel to the fire of that. You know, it, they're not, I hope they don't show 
Andrew Garfield or Tobey Maguire before we see them in the theater. Like, I really hope that they. I hope they showed like trailers. nothing else. Yeah, more than yeah. what we've already seen. Because I think that yeah. you know, there's going to be a leak though. That's 100%. the percent. Well, it's already all leaked, but they're all kind of rumor leaks, right? I don't like, want to not... see Defoe. You know, I don't yeah. want to see any of the other villains. I just want like. Just going blind. I think that's yeah, the that's, way to see this. Yeah. And I think they perfectly teased it. We got the pumpkin bomb. We got the reveal of Doc Ock, which they kind of had to do because Molina was just like, fuck my NDA. I'm just going to yeah, talk yeah. about it. <laughs> and I'm um, like, and then that's I mean, a power move. Oh, yeah. At his point, he's just like, what do I care? Like, I'm probably not going to be in another one of these, maybe. But um, even then, like, who cares? But um, so if him and like, they didn't even show Jamie Foxx. And Jamie Foxx was the one that we also knew about in the trades that was kind of there right so yeah i i hope we're only a couple months out now and like they'll probably be what's, one more trailer release date again december 22nd nice um, okay. do you think they'll re-release any of 19th? those um 19th or 22nd i forget yeah it's 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 near the end of uh december do you think they'll guys i'll be i'll be home the... when it comes out oh yeah no way home no way baby. home yeah um, do you think they'll release those giant heads of jamie fox's electro again yeah, yeah for the, the box set um yeah those are those are weird um so anyways i'm just uh it i i love spider-man and um i i can't wait for this movie and i just paul giamatti's uh, got to be the sixth one that i know <laughs> that i know it's me i'm back but you, you know what to your point though the other thing with the michael keaton suggestion it it, it does make some sense in terms of if morbius is in some way sort of a part of the spider-man universe because yeah. he is in the trailer for that i don't know what the hell they're doing that and then leading into the news we can just jump in there kingsman it's coming out later this year it looks like more kingsman um uh in the news um it looks like venom is delayed again to january right uh early 2022 so now it is coming out after spider-man no way home and closer to isn't morbius in february or I think no? so. Yeah. So you're getting, you know, Venom and Morbius like basically back to back and you're getting those after No Way Home now when both of those were supposed to come out before. Um, and it's weird. Like, I mean, Sony is saying Spider-Man's coming in December, but there is still a slim chance that they they punt it to next year. But then maybe Marvel and Disney has a say in that of being like, listen, these are all too interconnected. Like if we punt this, then we got to punt Doctor Strange. And then like, unless you have Doctor Strange and Spider-Man coming out both like in February or early next year, which they're not going to do um, that because that's, it's just competing films from the same studio. <laughs> and they're going to, they want to make as much money on each individual film as possible. But then on top of that, I mean, even though it didn't change it too much, you look at how, the delays of black widow kind of affected the release of Falcon and the winter soldier, the series, right? Because the big reveal of having Julie Louis Dreyfus playing the evil Nick Fury, um, it, you know, was supposed to be the, the surprise of black widow. But then once you, you know, see Falcon and the winter soldier and then it still works, but black it's weirdly widow. and out of order. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I, I mean, I... now if you go back to it and watch black widow first and then Falcon and the winter soldier, it corrects itself. But in terms mm -hmm. of the chronology of the release schedule, it, it, it doesn't work completely. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So yeah, Venom getting punted. Um, what else? We don't have to cover all of this stuff. Staying in Marvel, just so we group these together. It looks like they're doing a one-off Halloween special uh, around Werewolf by Night. 
um, which is a comic uh, uh, from Marvel. So it'll be interesting. Like they just put up the Marvel one shot, uh, All Hail the King, which is the, you know, kind of the retconning of Ben Kingsley's, you know, Mandarin uh, and Trevor Trevor Slattery Slattery character from Iron Man 3 of kind of revealing that there was a quote unquote real Mandarin out there. Um, So they put that up on Disney Plus, um, which is the first Marvel one shot I think they put up on its own. Well, I think also they probably put that up because of, of Sam Rockwell. Because I think Justin Hammer, I think you've talked about this before, is going to be a part of Armor Wars. Yeah, right? I mean, they haven't announced that officially, but he looks like he's probably coming back for that. And 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 so that's kind of exciting. But And then with the Guardians Christmas special that's coming next year, it almost looks like they're weirdly doing like holiday-themed Marvel Studios, like one-shot kind of things that aren't necessarily a full movie. Maybe a little longer than maybe a one-shot being 10, 15 minutes, so maybe like a half-hour episode. But... Um, interesting to kind of also getting into the short film kind of business when it comes to uh, Marvel Studios. I won't be satisfied until we get Mummies Alive. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> sure. So I have no idea what Werewolf by Night is, but it's just interesting that they're kind of trying to do Halloween and, and Christmas specials with uh, with the MCU. Um, sticking with Disney quickly, uh, this completely went under my radar this week. I didn't realize the Barry Jenkins Lion King prequel cast Kelvin Harrison Jr. and Aaron Pierre as young Scar and Mufasa. You uh, mean mid-sized sedan, yeah, Aaron yeah. Pierre, um, of old. <laughs> of old fame. Um, didn't even see this happen while I was putting together the news. I'm like, oh, that completely uh, did not realize. And I keep forgetting that Barry Jenkins is doing the Lion King prequel. Um, but get that Disney money, baby. I'm all for it. So, you know, if it lets him kind of, you know, make bank while he gets to go off and do another smaller movie after I'm all, I'm all for it. So, and why not have, you know, great filmmakers make franchise filmmaking. It kind of, you get the best of both worlds sometimes, or you hope that's the best case scenario. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting having someone other than James Earl Jones do Mufasa, but, uh, I'm here for it. I know that in the Disney cartoons and stuff, um, we've gotten different voice actors, uh, American Vandal, uh, creators are doing another mockumentary, but in the world of esports, uh, for Paramount plus, it's just going to focus on, I believe league of legends. Uh, I loved American Vandal, both seasons of it. Um, so I'm all for them doing another, um, ridiculous mockumentary did you guys watch american vandal either of you guys i think i watched the first season and then i started first season the second one i watched like half of the first episode and i pulled a nevis and uh, just said nah after 40 minutes (laughs) i loved it like kind of just ripping on true crime drama or true crime Mm -hmm. documentaries on the The first season definitely hit hit on some pretty pretty good stuff like I, I distinctly i don't remember much but i just remember the dot the really advanced like 3d rendering of yeah. the, <laughs> the first season and that was yeah. pretty funny um yeah yeah and jimmy vartro was was really good yes, as, as the great. lead yeah. yeah and then uh speaking of you know uh documentary style how to with john wilson is getting a season two um <laughs> which is uh premiering i have the date here somewhere uh what what the hell it says it got a release date and now i can't find it 
or ju- or they just announced a season two maybe is that what it is um but i watched a few episodes of it and i know eric you binged it um oh yeah and it's ridiculous i, I loved it it's fantastic <laughs> yeah. yeah it is good i love nathan for you and obviously this is produced by nathan fielder and um i, I gotta get back and finish that first season but um, it was a lot i couldn't binge it like i only could do one episode at a time and i'm like okay i need to take like breaks in between episodes but i i did enjoy what i saw of it it is very cringy at times but i also really love that he's able to you know cut down the defenses of the people that he's talking to and just really have these interesting conversations that you don't expect to form the par- over the, the period parasite, of the episode the parasite comes. oh my god it is so good Matt, i know you didn't watch that episode yet yeah. but that parasite bit is amazing it might i think i've heard about it yeah. yeah i think i've heard what it is I, what it yeah entails. i mean i it's funny that you say that though matt because like with i love nathan for you as well nathan fielder is i think hilarious but i can only watch like one episode at a time of that show because i'm just I'm physically ill from like it's so cringy. It's so cringy. You can only have so much of that humor in one dose. And and like you gotta give those guys credit. The fact that they can just kind of turn that on, you know, and they 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 can be removed enough that they don't they don't well they're they're not in it they don't break character yeah Yeah. they're not breaking character but at the same time they're looking at it like they're in the moment right like they're having the conversation where we're watching it so we're watching it after it's finished so the way that we're interpreting it in terms of it being cringeworthy and awkward like i'm sure there maybe is some awkwardness with you know if he has crew or or what have you around him i think he's basically a one-person show uh john wilson but you watch you're you're watching it because it's done and you're you're having that effect but i don't, I don't think know, man i still think that, but in that moment you still gotta not you gotta <laughs> not break and there are times you can uh, see yeah. nathan fielder and nathan for you being like i'm trying so hard not to break right now but i'm just gonna run with this and like but yeah, i think um, having the camera in front of him is in john the way wilson that, you mean yeah, yeah. john wilson yeah, yeah, is yeah. the way that he kind of keeps his defense up yes, or, yeah. or keeps from breaking and i think you he's... just you get so into your own character in those that you kind of just know how to how to deal with it and not break and like um and those shows just i mean both of them from what i've seen of john wilson and, and nathan for you like i just love that setup of it you know i never know who is a plant who is a real person and who is an actor and who is like because i do feel like it's weirdly like and same with uh nirvana the band the show a little bit too of like I think it is this weird mesh of real people, documentary style kind of things. And then you also put in, you know, I think plants or actors that kind of also help your narrative or what you're trying to do that are acting like real people, but then might be mixed in with actual real people. And then you kind of make this kind of very fascinating kind of study on, you know, both real life and just this kind of weird meta narrative kind of uh, scripted thing like half of it i think is scripted and half of it isn't but or there's um, a direction in where it's going to go because course, th- there yeah. is something that is kind of almost tv like in how to with john wilson where you you have you know one episode that it's about, like okay about paying the check you know the etiquette of like who pays the check how much you pay or like and then it, it turns from paying the check to you know a a an episode about referees. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just yeah, like, yeah. it almost feels like an episode of the Simpsons in that way, where it's like, it starts off with like, yeah, 100%. yeah, where it yeah. starts off like with like a cold opening and then it kind of like detours mm-hmm. into something else entirely. Yeah. 
Um, both shows are great. I do want to go back and watch John Wilson. Like it's, it's definitely on my watch list. Uh, we brought up Cobra Kai and we'll finish it with, uh, yeah. we'll finish it on some Cobra Kai. So, uh, Cobra Kai was renewed for season five ahead of its season four premiere, which I thought we already knew it got renewed for, but I think it's when Netflix picked it up. We knew it was getting three and four. Like they renewed it for two seasons right away when they picked it up, but now four, we know four hasn't come out yet, right? Like it's only four is coming in December. We got a. I watched time... it very quickly, so I don't. Yeah, really know oh, so did I, and I can't wait then. to rewatch yeah. it. I can't wait to rewatch it before um, Justice for Stingrays. Um, yeah, I hope he comes back at some point. But um, anyway, so season five confirmed, and we're also getting a Karate Kid musical adaptation next year as <laughs> well, um, which I'm all for as well. Like, is it with the um, cast of the show? No, I think it's probably like a. Um, so here, uh, the musical's book will be written by the original film screenwriter Robert Mark uh, Common, uh, as well as it's a score by it's kind of a funny stories Drew Gasparini Gasparini. So it's premiering in St. Louis and it's they want a Broadway debut for it. Um, okay. So it's yeah, it's going to premiere at stages in St. Louis next year and then they want to go on Broadway with it. So I don't think it's the cast but Oh, because um, I was thinking it like they were doing like a musical film adaptation. This is just a Broadway play. A Broadway play of it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Why? So, yeah. Um, they say the director of Pacific Overtures, uh, Amon Miyamoto, will be the director. Um, combining the karate action and dance will be choreographers Keon Madrid and Mari Madrid. Um, and then there's a, you know, I bet you this resonates more with, you know, uh, Broadway people. So I'll talk to my sister, uh, about this, but, uh, they say the recent musical adaptations of musicals, it follows in Beetlejuice, Pretty Woman, Tootsie and Mrs. Doubtfire, um, and that kind of stuff. So it's yeah. St. Louis next year. And then, um, on May, uh, May 20th. 25th 2022 and june 26th uh until june 26 2022 and they wanted to go on broadway after that so uh incredible but back to uh cobra kai um yeah season four is coming in december um and then we got a confirmed season five so you you god i just hope i can't wait i love that they're just how ridiculous so kyle we haven't talked to you about it so um you just uh, did you rewatch the Karate Kid movies beforehand, or did you uh, jump right so into I Cobra did, Kai? Or? I did it a bit backwards, where like when I got to Vancouver, I was staying in like this pretty low, like no frills kind of Airbnb um, for like the first month I was here until I found a place, and um, there really wasn't much to do. You know, like when I first got here, I was working, and COVID was still happening, and didn't know a ton of people, so um, I was like, well, I'm just gonna watch movies and tv and then i remember talking to eric about it and listening to you guys talk about it and um i was like you know what i just need something kind of mindless but um good so i threw cobra kai on and then i just marathoned it and it's addictive i don't know what it is at first i was like i'm not gonna like this and then by the end of season one i was like damn i'm all (laughs) yeah it kind of scratches like the same itch as like i don't know like, like it's a weird guilty pleasure kind of adjacent, you know what I mean? But like, I know it's not necessarily, again, we were talking about this earlier, like, yeah, it, it's not going to reinvent the wheel, 
and it's pretty over the top and corny and but that's kind of what makes it fun. Like we were talking about it with Spider, the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, you know? Or even Fast and Furious. I kind of yeah. put it in that same kind exactly. of category. Yeah. Or wrestling. You compared it yes. to wrestling with like the heel turns, right? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's exactly it. Like, yeah, the constant kind of shifting of, yeah, good guys and bad guys. And they need to make it interesting. So they're flipping sides and creating new factions. And yeah, it's it's kind of... It's just been really enter- it was really entertaining. I you definitely and then you pick kind of people that you definitely like more and then you root against people. It, it very much is like almost like wrestling or or yeah. I mean it makes sense with the karate format too, right? Like and it's just and karate is life in this and in this universe it's like karate is everything. And like yeah. it just it's so over the top and it has that kind of corny like you know with the high school stuff that like but almost has that eighties vibe to it or that corny high school TV show kind of vibe to it that kind of works for this. And then it, it is very soap opera and even anime at some points with 100%. Like, you know, like you said, like the heel turns and like people coming back from previous movies and like the returns of people. And then the fight sequences and the choreography is just so much fun and such a blast. And just like, uh, and Eric, you brought up like having, um, uh, um, you know, switching the uh, having William Zabka as Johnny Lawrence be kind of the the lead in this, and Ralph Macho obviously becomes more. Yeah, he's more of the anti-hero, like, yeah. right? Where like you get a character who you know for really the first film and the beginning of the second one, you know, is just kind of like your classic '80s bully, and now weirdly over the course of the first three seasons, he's been more fleshed out and turned into a, a very funny but also more complex personality than you would Zabka is so good in it he's He's amazing he is he is the best I think he is genuinely funny in moments I I like the relationships that he has with a lot of the other cast members I think that he is kind of the glue that makes this whole thing kind of work and without him like I mean I like Ralph Macchio and I've, I've come to like him more as the seasons progress I think when he goes to Japan that's the stuff that I that really kind of clicked for me with his like the emotional arc of his character. I agree. Um, but also, Cal, you mentioned every time I see him now, I can't stop thinking about like Ralph Macchio is an optical illusion because he is that young yeah. old kind of look. Where, yes, like, yeah. He's old, but he also looks young at yeah, the same I, time, I, and I can't figure it out when you when he's like, yeah. especially when he's fighting, like when he's in the in like actual karate fights, and you're like. This is like he's got yeah, and I, I wonder if it is just because you know Ralph Macchio as like him in the eighties when he was like a teenager, but he still looks similar enough as his That's younger it. self. Where like William Zabka, I feel like looks a lot older than he did there, but yeah. Ralph Macchio obviously also looks a lot older, but he's his face it's still almost looks so the same. Similar, yeah, it's and, yeah, and his build is kind of the same, and no, no shame like at all, but it's just kind of funny how much you're like. Oh wow, yeah, you're still this guy, and it, I don't know. I I love seeing because it started as a web series, right? Yeah, on YouTube. Yeah, like, I like the idea that these guys were like, let's just bring it back, let's just make this passion project, and it's going to be super over the top and goofy, but we're going to take it really like seriously and also still be meta with it. Like they make fun of themselves constantly, and yes, I think all of these things make it very endearing. Like it's a very endearing show, and. You can tell, you know, especially in season three, there are a couple lulls where I'm like, oh, you're just trying to make this more interesting. And like the heel turns and the back and forth, like are definitely, you're just shaking it up so that we keep watching. But um, I'm I'm going to watch the next season and I'll watch five, two now. And hopefully it's not as long of a wait. I assume it will be. 
like uh, I want next, Martin next Cove, who plays Crease, to play Will Ferrell's dad in something. Yeah, he kind of looks a little like Will Ferrell, and like even him, like that—that's a guy who, like in the in the late '80s, after the first Karate Kid movie, was trying to kind of like position himself as the next Steven Seagal or Van Damme. Like he had a couple runs with doing like canon level uh b action movies and it just never worked out for him yeah but him coming back and kind of being the ultimate like you know villain. heel yeah. Yeah, it is is a lot of fun and like the dynamic between him and zabka and and tanner buchanan as as you yeah. know as as zabka's son like i don't i hate robbie so much because yeah. he's just like he's so he's one of those guys that just does not think that he's done anything wrong and like he has this chip on his shoulder that yeah like he, he hasn't had the greatest childhood and i i get that but at the same time like what he did to miguel you know at the end of season two he still has no remorse for and you're just like you you're a jerk like, yeah yeah no wonder you're in prison and that fight sequence at the end of season two is one of the <laughs> yeah. best is one of the best action sequences of all time i will throw that out there like i just think it is so much fucking fun and is just so well shot and well choreographed of like of just being absolutely ridiculous but also intense and um and just that one shot that they go through that hallway sequence and it is just so many great payoffs. And that's what I think, like the character building in this show, I think it is so satisfying. And like, though, I feel like each heel turn kind of is earned, like the Hawk stuff in season one, I think is so good. Yeah. And like, and then just, yeah, like we said, like the way that they build up these characters and, and who they align with and having the different dojos and, and stuff like that is just such a fucking blast. And you'd never think like, and I'll give credit to uh, Tim Gettys who was on the show a couple episodes back, but I think I listened to him when, and they're the ones who got me into Cobra Kai, like Nick Scarpino, who was also on our show as a big karate kid guy. And he was the only one watching Cobra Kai when it was on YouTube and everyone else is like, we're not going to watch fucking a karate <laughs> kid sequel show on YouTube, Nick, shut up. And then like, eventually everyone, when it went on to Netflix, I feel like it opened it up to so many more people. And, and everyone's like, no, the show's like legitimately a blast. You need it's to go back fun. and watch. It's yeah. And so that's it. Fun. We don't have a lot yeah. of it, but then they also, like you said, Kyle, like you can tell they really care about the karate kid movies, which yes. like, no, I think like the first karate kid is iconic. Obviously I knew it more from uh Ninja turtles two than I did of like watching the actual karate kid movie. I just knew wax on wax off. And I knew references from things. I wasn't even a huge karate kid fan as a kid, but um going back and like, I think Tim put it perfectly being like, it is wild that, Cobra Kai has done a better job with the legacy sequel than the Star Wars sequels did of like taking <laughs> taking legacy characters and building them up and training the new generation and like and ha and and paying them respect and 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 like using them in the right way and stuff like that and like having the villain come back and having the old guys come back and training these new people and passing on the legacy and the and using like the iconic locations when you go to Mr. Miyagi's house or when you go to the the gymnasium where it happened like all of those feel weirdly special in the show and you're like why do I care so much I don't even care yeah. about Karate Kid and then you go back and watch those movies and like the way that they bring back characters and they handle it with such love that you just can't help but going like you guys fucking crushed it like it is fan service but then it's weirdly fan service for people who weren't even fans that like went back and I watched two three and and four for the first time because I'd never even 
watch them. And and I, I hadn't seen I hadn't seen three and four. And I yeah. So after I watched all of it, I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna go throw them on and I rewatched see- all. All of them and, and, and Terry uh, Silver, one of the best villains of all time. And, <laughs> and and Terry Silver coming back in season four. Spoilers, sorry if you haven't uh watched Cobra Kai and you should. I don't think it spoils that much if it's not in context for you, but um it's just that kind of who would have thought I'd be like Terry Silver's coming back and I'm so <laughs> yeah. excited. And again, the, the you were talking about it, like the way they handle the legacy, it's also super controlled. Like they were really intelligent with, you know, and not to like make, you know like ruin things by looking at how it's put together, but the way in which season one is built so that if you are even know a little bit about the karate kid, you can get into it. Yeah. And with they the flashbacks kind of, and using the footage and enough, stuff like that. Yeah. They feed you enough from one. I think there's a little bit from two, but only just the very beginning. Yeah. yeah. Um, with Miyagi. Um, uh, and Zapka and, and stuff. Zapka, yeah. yeah. But, and then season two, you get a bit more of the, you know, the legacy stuff from two and three. And it's just, and even having Crease not come in until the end of the first season, right? Yeah. Like him being the stinger there of yeah. like, of coming in and you had that rivalry that continues as older men, like in that first season, just be yeah. those two guys. And then you introduce Crease, and then you start bringing in other characters. And, and, and just... you have these periphery characters who are like, wait, this is absurd. Like, yes. Absolutely. Like you're grown middle-aged men having a yes. karate feud. And but then they, they get sucked into it too. Like Amanda, like, yeah. like Amanda's whole arc is, is great, right? Cause she is the voice of kind of the audience yeah. and people just being like, this is ridiculous. You need to stop or we need to call the police. <laughs> like, like we can't rival, have the rival yeah. um, used car salesman and all oh, that. Yeah. Stuff. And like, yeah. There's so many moments where I'm like, this shouldn't be, like I should, I should not be enjoying myself as much as I am. And it's like, I just think that's the thing is, you know what? Like you can watch only like serious, like art and, you know, but I think it's like, this is, this is a perfect case in point of like, sometimes it's good just to have popcorn entertainment popcorn entertainment that is just really over the top and you can just throw it on. And, and honestly, if you just kind of relax, you're going to have a good time. Yeah. But I think it's also art within the context of the, sure. the show and it, of its own universe. You know what like, I mean? Like the, the yeah, the, no, no, the, I totally the, do. The like stuff. the, yeah. yeah, there's, there's the elitist like criterion sort of way of thinking or the academic way of thinking of like, okay, well this is below me so I can't yeah. like it or like, it's not, it's not meaningful or fulfilling in any way, but it, it is entertainment first and foremost, and it is disposable. But at the same time you look, you know, you, we've all been talking about it the structure and the storytelling within the karate kid universe is very much in the same way that the MCU is, or even within like any sort of austere filmmaker looking at a sequel or following characters. I mean, we talked about the before films and, and, and reconnecting with these characters over time and seeing where they are now compared to where they were then. And what I loved about that first season is we saw a character whose whole life after, you know, with, with William Zabka's character, Johnny Lawrence, his whole life is destroyed because of this yeah. one moment, you know, and it, and it, and it goes to show you again, it's almost like, you know, somebody that peaked in high school and then going out into the real world and realizing that, you know, nobody cares who you were who, back who in high school. Who should be hated? Like his character... Yeah on the surface is so detestable. And I don't know if it's just the writing or if it's the writing and Zapka or if it's just Zapka, but like the complexity of that character is you really love 
you love Johnny Lawrence by the halfway through season one. You you yeah with him, and we've all felt like that. And you almost hate Ralph Macchio, like yeah. When he first come when he first comes. Oh, back. you do. He's the villain in the first season, I and think. Right, like it's amazing, and I, I think like yeah, like you, you were talking about. Like I was like that when when Cobra Kai first came out. I was like, ah, oh, this is below me. I don't you know whatever. This is just thick. People trying to make money off like you know old An property old and stuff yeah. and but no like it's i don't know it's a ton of fun i it's just and a I'm, blast and i'm excited about the terry silver stuff because of that relationship that that character will have with ralph machios because you can tell that like they were they were hinting at that in some of the flashback stuff mm-hmm. in the the last couple of seasons where those moments where you see ralph machio's character turn yeah you know to the dark go side, to the right? dark side right yeah. and you know i think that 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 relationship there will be a lot of you know really very raw moments where it, again it'll be over the top and goofy but like you'll get to see you know macho's buttons be pushed in a way that maybe we haven't seen before that it'll really get under his skin and the show um, just constantly surprises you like i never thought we'd get some vietnam flashbacks in season <laughs> yeah. three Which, again, of so like, ridiculous yeah. and over the top but it kind of snake works pit the... fighting like the origins but of like makes, cobra kai and it shit makes, just... it makes um what's his name is it crease that's crease yeah, yeah. It makes that character more like well-rounded and complex yes like, oh you yeah. can see where this was it's weird. I don't know if they are. Uh, yeah, they've nailed it. Like this yeah. is exactly the, what they should have been making. And they, I know it's yeah. it's wild how much it works. And like I can't yeah. wait. Like it, we're getting. It seems like they're they're following. You know, introducing characters from you know obviously then two, then three, and then are we getting Hillary Swank at some point? I'm like, you got to think that she's she's going to be in it. And especially having a hawk in that whole movie. I'm like, there's got to be a connection with Hawk. Come on. And this and I'm feels like, like the way you and I, when we kind of every blue moon talk about pro wrestling. Yeah. Like have, it's like, this is kind of what it reminds me of. Like you're almost like, Oh, they have to go this way, you know, and you're, except it's delivering, you know? Oh, and so it's, the Cobra yeah. Kai and it's way better than anything we think of. should go and write for WWE. That's basically what sure, you're saying. Yeah. It'd probably I mean, be good. Yeah. I yeah. mean, <laughs> like the thing is like, they know how to do long-term storytelling over a season and yeah. And, and bring things back. And, and yeah, I don't know. It's just a ton of fun. Super. Like, yeah, I, I never thought like the, the Chosun stuff in, in Japan, like that all stuff coming around. Cause I remember watching Karate Kid 2 and then um like the movie is, is fine. But then uh, thinking that, you know, you see the little bits of that universe turning from just a very straight up, you know, bully against a guy karate movie um to something ridiculous where like fight to the death with this yeah. guy at the end of, 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 of number two. And then that's, I started seeing the seeds of how ridiculous this could get. And then bringing that stuff all back in the last season of Cobra Kai. Um, and then, you know, you, you got to assume because of, and the way that they use Mr. Miyagi in this series too, like Pat Morita passing away before, you know, obviously the series coming, but how much Miyagi feels like a presence in the series and how well it's yeah. kind of handled and the emotional moments. Like we talk about how silly it is, but I really think like the relationship between, you know, uh, 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 Mr. Miyagi and, um, and Daniel LaRusso and then Johnny Lawrence and, uh, even, um, uh, Miguel and stuff like that. Like all that stuff weirdly works on an emotional level that I never thought I would feel watching that show either. And, and even and, like them calling out Ralph Macchio and being like, 
um, and, and, and Daniel LaRusso and, and being like, oh, well, this is cultural appropriation. Like stuff yeah. like that. The bonsai like, tree at the, yeah. at the yeah. car dealership. And yeah. the YouTube and ads like, and stuff like that. Yeah. We're all thinking, you know, at times you're like, wait, what? What's going on? You know? And yeah. Or even even the stuff with William Zabka being like the guy who's out of touch or out of the date. man's like that man shouldn't, kind of thing too. That shouldn't work yeah. in terms of being funny. Like you know that they're that's what they're playing on. Like oh, I don't know how to use the internet, but like it is weirdly funny because Zabka is so good at those kind of comedic moments and the, the, the so delivery good. of those. Like there's that one scene where like he's doing physical therapy with Miguel and like he's he's trying to get him to, to stand by taking the, the a nudie playboy mag. the <laughs> yeah. nudie magazine and using the fishing rod and it's just the most ridiculous sight gag but it works and it's yeah. like and it's straight out of 80s culture of like yeah, of course yeah. This and that's what's like great yeah comedy and like or when they the other scene that i love that like t- when he's like super there's a few great ones but when johnny lawrence and daniel larusso are in the car together and then ario speedwagon comes on <laughs> and they're both like <laughs> you like you like ario and it's like of course and they just kind of jam yeah. out and then go get drunk. And it's just, yeah. why does this work so well? Or like when he writes that whole message um, on Facebook Messenger and like he, and then he just yes. it all and writes, not much Stop. new or something. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and all this stuff, you just want them so badly to bro out too throughout the yeah. whole series. That's why I like the, it, the give you like little, little and, then a, and then they make them then yeah. fucking hate each other. And it's so good. And then that's why the show is just so good at payoffs and like, and the storytelling I think is the perfect example of something that is, yeah, popcorn entertainment. But if you look at it a little bit more, like it is structured so well to make those moments mean so much more. And, and yeah, there is some stuff like, it seems like, you know, the Christmas fight at the end of season three seems like they're trying to get back to that fight sequence at the end of season two. And I don't think it quite, gets to that level even though they're trying to get that well uh, they're, they're clearly again, trying but... to end every season on some with a big like big yeah wall. and the thing i really do like as well is after season one i was like okay so the formula is going to be for every season because i knew there were two other seasons i was like it'll be um a build-up and then the last episode will be like a tournament right and I like that we haven't had another tournament because now all Until I want to now. see is another tournament. And like, <laughs> yeah, I know. I, and this is my pitch, and I have no idea what season four is going to be, but I want the entirety of season four to be at the tournament. The I every so episode too, is the tournament. Because the the tournament episode in season one is awesome when they it's show amazing. you the fight. Like, and yeah. and I I really do think that a good chunk of it might be the tournament, and I hope it's not just like the last episode. Like but, every episode um, being a matchup. And it's like almost shot as if it's like just built around um, like almost like a dock almost, you know what I mean? And yeah. Like, you know, I, that would be, yeah. Be- I can't, I have no idea where it will go, but obviously we know uh, Terry Silver back with and, and helping crease at Cobra Kai. And then you have, um, you know, them coming together and, you know, either being still separate dojos just working together or they're just both um, Miyagi-Do, I'm not sure, but like, just that end is so hype at the end of yeah. season three, where it's just like, it's so with like, and again, using a song that I've, we've heard a zillion times with uh, in the air tonight, but it just like when he walks out and it's just, it's so perfect. It's just so yeah. perfect. And I'm just like, what's, what's the name of Johnny Lawrence's uh, dojo? Um, wasn't e- it like Eagle, um, Eagle, Eagle snake no, or something? Eagle snake or something like that. What is it? Yeah. Um, um it's funny though. I remember it just being a horrible name and um, 
because I was. But like, it's something that you would expect that the character would think would be cool. Like that's the other thing that I really love about that character is that it kind of feels. Genuine. He thinks Anything it's cool, but it's eagle really yeah. kind of it's eagle, eagle fang. fang, which yeah, is eagle just... fang karate. Yeah, I'm on the Cobra Kai merch website, and you can buy shop Eagle Fang, shop Cobra Kai, and shop Miyagi. And again, like and- characters like Hawk, where you know the thing the show does really well is Hawk kind of becomes a bit of a not one dimensional, but like yeah, he's it's such a great kind of it feels so earned in that first season and him becoming Hawk, and and then season two he becomes kind of you know the conflict where he's clearly becoming too aggressive and you know, just losing sight of what's important. And then in season three, like when you get his arc, like his arc's just like so interesting and, and they know exactly when to change it because it doesn't get stale. And then um, with him kind of turning back and it's because they bring that other bully back and like just the way they, yeah, it's really- well, Even the stuff with Dimitri, right? Like, well, yeah, Dimitri's, Dimitri's is payoff yeah. is, is amazing 100%. when like he has his big moment. Yeah, 100%. I- it, it really honors each character well. Um, and there are characters that I don't really like that much, but like, even then I'm like, oh yeah, this character, like Ralph Macchio's daughter. I'm like, I'm sure. always like, oh, whatever. Come on. But I also <laughs> like that she can, but she deals with like that. PTSD and stuff too. That's what I mean. And like, that's all handled super like, yeah. like not what you expect from a karate kid show. And like her rivalry with it's uh, with Tori. And it's like Tori's yeah. kind of arc of being like that character is interesting. And like all of these kind of different overlapping, again, it feels like a very symbiotic kind of world that is every character has like a writer. It feels like, and I know that's probably not what it is, but they're, they're, they're doing a pretty good job of making something that is just pure joy and entertainment have full fledged characters and arcs. And again, like it's not prestige television, but, um, I don't got know, nominated for black. a couple Emmys, right? Like it yeah. didn't get best uh, drama. I just uh, meant yeah, it did get a be- no best not, comedy, didn't it? Yeah, I just meant in the sense that it's not like HBO. It's not like shot as if it's like sure. Like when you watch the product, like production. Oh, it does. It looks yeah, it's a bit nimbler, and that's fine. I think it works for what they're doing, but. Um, I would love to see a season just shot on like 16 millimeter though. That'd be sick. <laughs> and they have some of that look in like the, with the flashback yeah. stuff and yeah. they try to make that work with the digital cinematography. 100%. From those. And I, I'm curious too, because these next two seasons are the first seasons that were produced specifically by Netflix, because I think even that third season they picked up when YouTube started to get away from original content and stuff like that where i think season three was already in production when netflix was like yeah we'll take this off of your hands or sony mm-hmm. sony sony television was like yeah we, we'll go somewhere else with this and maybe the budgets don't change or anything but you'd think some of that netflix money will help and with them producing it and just kind of I, i'm sure they had free reign on to do whatever they want but i think they probably didn't have a ton of a budget in those first three seasons so i'm curious to see what see but they do they work really well with the budget that they had in those in those first couple seasons but i'm just like and it seems like they're gonna keep going until they just don't have story to tell anymore and i'm like all for that and i love that it's become like a hit on netflix because like it just shows you that you know no one cared about this show for the first two seasons but right when you put it on netflix and it gets put in front of millions of eyes and they put it on their front page and the people go what is this a karate kid sequel series and then you throw it on and you're like 
okay, it's from the the point of view of the bat, the, the guy from the first one. You know, this is this is kind of interesting. You're like, oh, yeah, fuck, this is good. And like, Nevis is obsessed with it. We went back and watched uh, the movies, and she is like, when's the new season of Cobra Kai? Like, she just cannot wait. For I'm trying it. to get Heidi it. onto it as well. I, she'll love it, dude. I think she will because like. I remember trying to pitch it to her and she saw me watching it and she saw me like marking out for stuff when I've never had, like I've never watched a TV show where I'm like, Holy fucking shit. Like I'm like yelling at my TV going like, yes. And I'm like, during that fight sequence at the end of season two, I literally like had to stand up out of my chair and like, and I was like yelling at my TV because I was so excited. I I had that ruined for me. My own, yeah. my own demise. I like yeah. it's one of those classic like social media listening to you, and clearly I was watching a lot of it. And then I got like a recommended. It was like a suggested post, I think, on like Instagram or Twitter or something. Yeah, I had a photo of like the poster, and I saw Miguel was in a wheelchair. Right, and yeah. I was like, I think Nevis had that too. Yeah, and yeah. I was like, no, I, I'll put a, I don't want to I'll put a this. warning that in the description that but, there's ma- um, major. Yeah, man, I it's it's just it's just fun. It's you yeah. know what I mean. Like it's a, it's and a it, fun time and. And I remember her making fun of me. She's like, what are you watching? I'm like, oh, it's a karate kid TV show. <laughs> like, and she's like, what? And I'm like, after I finished all three seasons, I was like, we have to watch. I, and I literally watched all four karate kid movies and Cobra Kai leading into the, the new season of Cobra Kai. Did you and immediately, the karate kid? The- oh, I did. Oh yeah. I did all of them. Yeah. And then even though that one, I feel like you don't need to probably watch until she gets announced to be in the show or right. whatever. Like, and then you could probably go back and watch that. But, um, immediately after finishing last December and watching the new season and Eric and I reviewing it, I went to Nevis. I'm like, I will rewatch all of those movies and the series right now, if you will. And she's like, really? And I'm like, just, we got to watch the movie, stick it out. Like they're, they're fun. They're not great. Like the first one I think is legitimately like a, it's just, it's it's Rocky, but like, and then they just end up being Rocky over and over again. And, um, it's yeah, let's watch them more fun to it's i think it's better to watch them after you've watched interesting i would say watch the first one at least the first one yeah yeah i'm talking about the and, sequel sorry yeah just because yeah. then you actually i was more invested than i think i would have been had i done like the movies and then the show um, i think you could watch karate kid one the opening of karate kid two because you need yes. that kind of context then you could watch cobra kai season one and two then i would say go back and watch Cobra, uh, karate we need to make kid. a PDF. We need to make yeah. an image like a, a chart for this a little mind. Karate mind. Kid two, then watch season three, and then go back and watch Karate Kid. Um, anyways, I I would just say watch all the movies beforehand because I feel like the stuff with you know Terry Silver idea, yeah. being teased at in the Vietnam flashbacks, but then they pull that kind of fast one on you, and it's like ah, it wasn't the guy with the ponytail you thought it was. Yeah. It was this guy. Um, and anyways, she, one other thing she, I just wanted to say, cause you kind of pointed out when it comes, you know, it just had to be on Netflix for people to really find it is I love in season one when they're Johnny Lawrence is fighting Ralph Macchio to be like, to, or, uh, Daniel LaRusso to get Cobra Kai reinstated. So it's allowed to participate. And every <laughs> side comment is like, God, that's a great name. Cool name. Great name. Yeah, and like, yeah. It just feels so on like your very meta commentary about naming the show Cobra Kai. Yeah, like, and everyone thought Cobra Kai was the coolest even back in like with that first movie. They were way cooler with their black geese and stuff yeah. like that. They were so much cooler. Yeah. Um, but Mr. Miyagi's obviously dope too. But yeah, then Nevis, um, I rewatched them literally right after, and then we're even talking about like Nevis. Every once in a while, she's like, 
let's rewatch Cobra Kai. And no, I was like, put it on I, after this. I might, I like, I might ask her to, she wants me to watch succession before season three um, right. premieres in like a month. So I'm going to give that a shot, but Actually, I got to finish um, vacation friends. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, of course you do. Um, but I'm literally before season four and um, I'm, I'm, think i will do a rewatch of maybe maybe not all the movies like i might just do the show again but, if you do it like um, let me know and we can just i'll just, just sync I'll it up yeah. yeah as we're going yeah through. i'm definitely down to do a rewatch before um and then maybe do a big sport we've already just basically done a spoiler cast at the yeah. end of this episode so i'll probably we should also mention um just some incoming news pertaining to that uh ed asner just passed away oh so. uh, brutal yeah. that sucks man thank you for letting us know um yeah yeah he i guess one of his last roles would have been probably that right has he been in much yep. lately so no um because he plays other that. than probably doing some voice work for the up uh spinoff series right right um the doug one that's out right now yeah um yeah that's interesting yeah thanks for letting us know eric that's sad yeah um that's unfortunate i mean 91 uh a long wonderful life and career um, that's for sure. But that, too, as, as, uh, as his dad, yeah, stepdad, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. He has a couple movies that say they're TBA that he uh, that he was doing, and then on television, yeah, Cobra Kai was probably one of the last things he, uh, yeah, Doug Days he did. Um, he was a main role as Carl in Doug Days, so uh, that's probably one of the last things you'll see or hear him in. Um, well, that's a bummer to end on, but. Um, rest in peace to a very uh wonderful man and actor um kyle thank you for joining us yes it was fun um, let me know it was if a you, blast uh, you ever want me to jump back in i can you know you're welcome anytime anytime you're bored makes, and makes it tough and i you know. yeah tough and sometimes yeah uh, but again i appreciate you taking a couple hours oh, this out was of your nice, day this was nice this, hanging out with so. you guys i honestly yeah like um, i think the hardest part of doing a big move like this if anybody listening has done it they can probably attest to this is just yeah leaving your people is always tough yeah so i feel that man yeah i definitely feel that well we definitely miss you and uh we'll do it more often maybe we'll sync up and you know sync up on disney plus and watch the rest of spy hard or something like that um (laughs) or save vacation friends (laughs) friends um no it's it's always again you're welcome literally anytime to shoot us a message start our own side cobra kai um hockey you know what i'm not just it all it has to be sports sports movies karate movies it's all that sports and sports like, entertainment exclusively there you go yeah. exactly uh i'm not against starting a cobra kai after show <laughs> podcast yeah, when it comes back i know that the only thing with netflix is like it's you could do a uh, one per episode but um they i'm glad they give you yeah i'm glad they give it i'm mostly a weekly guy like i, I i'd rather you know, the buildup each week of oh, like everyone. So, so the Ted Lasso kind of thing you're good with. I like it more like the Disney plus what they're doing, what Apple TV does. Apple TV and prime sometimes does the thing where they give you the first three episodes and then they do a weekly after that, which I know Disney does in some things too. You but. know what I actually really liked? Cause I, I find just like, if it's a half hour show, like again, like I've been watching the new Ted Lasso season. It's like, if it's a half hour show, it just feels too long to wait for one episode. Um, right. The last dance. I love that they did two episodes a week. Um, yeah, I'd be down for that. That's that's good. Brooklyn Nine Nine still doing left that. you wanting more with the uh, last dance. A hundred percent, and you felt like you got a good amount, but then you were still yeah waiting for the next two. 
Yeah, I'm I'm not against that either. Like I I think we're still trying to figure out what the best way of delivery is. And I I personally miss and I like the like I love the MCU shows on Disney and what they're doing with Star Wars and stuff like that because I feel like it's a collective experience. And my problem with the the dump of all the episodes is that you know, everyone's on different timelines. And like, I, if I feel like I don't watch the whole season in that first weekend, I feel like, you know, when I'm having a conversation with someone, I go, oh yeah, I'm watching, you know, whatever on, on Netflix. And they're like, oh yeah, me too. They're like, what episode are you on? I'm like, ah, I'm on episode three. They're like, I'm on episode seven. And you're like, cool. You like it? And they're like, yeah, man, it's, it's pretty good. And then you're like, cool. We can't talk about it because we're at completely different parts of the show. Right. And I feel yeah. like, I personally love like if coming back from, you know, way too many episodes of Lost and uh, on 24 episodes and having to go through ha- most of the year watching Lost on a week by week basis. But I love the everyone watches it at the same time. And that's why I like the HBO stuff I've been into lately with like White Lotus and um, Mayor of Town, where I'm like everyone Sunday night, 9 p.m. is watching it and right. then everyone's watching the same thing. And even with the Disney Plus stuff getting dumped online at three in the morning East time or you could watch it at midnight, Kyle, on, uh, on your end. But it's true. Yeah, um, it's, it's it is funny, like seeing like Alex, like shout out to my, my best yeah. friend, Alex, Alex Reno. Um, I always show, actually, yeah, yeah. I always, well, he's your second best friend. Your first best friend is Hank Mardukas. Hank Mardukas <laughs> is number one. Uh, yeah, he probably listening to this at double time, but um, uh, Alex, not Hank Mardukas, but he like it's funny how much like I'll I don't watch all the Marvel series, but the one thing that I've constantly seen him talk about is that that immediacy of um, all the news coming out every time an episode or like you know, and it's. I think that is special and we don't really have that. And I think about like game of Thrones was so instrumental in that. And I think it really brought people together. Um, but yeah, I selfishly, I do like to binge watch stuff and I feel like Eric, you're a bit similar, right? Where like, you'll wait for yeah. to finish and then you'll, you'll watch it all. Right. But with the Netflix stuff, it's kind of interesting because uh, w- I'm more of a binger as well because I like to watch everything from beginning to end. It's just like watching a movie, mm-hmm. like even if it is eight hours or, or nine hours. Like or I, 17 I rather, hours. I rather just sit and watch well, as Twin much Peaks. as I possibly can in one one go. Yeah. Um, but that, but that, I mean, Twin Peaks is an ex- exception as well because it was being it was told weekly. out one yeah. episode. And weekly. you couldn't wait. Yeah. But if you did but, it like I did, you watched it. But there's also this weird like time frame for some of these shows that if they are released all at once and you don't watch them within the first couple of weeks of when they're then really never kind of get popular, <laughs> then you'll never get to it. That's I haven't it. watched Tiger. I haven't watched Tiger King, and I, I, mean, I, and you I don't, don't think need, I you ever. Don't you don't. No, yeah. I know that, but I'm saying like, look how popular that was at the beginning of the pandemic. But that's all that Netflix stuff. It's like popular for a week. And then it's but that's what I'm too. talking about with yeah. the Netflix stuff where they'll dump it all at once. They'll advertise it for the week or the two weeks. It becomes popular for that period, but then it just disappears completely and it doesn't have any long-term sort of viability. Like the same way with even something like The Queen's Gambit, which everybody was talking about. That's another show I haven't watched. And I like Anya Taylor-Joy. Where like you're, you, and, and, and I like Bill Scott Camp. Frank, the creator. Yeah, Bill Camp is great. And, and, and Scott Frank where like that two or three three week window of when the show is first all available and people are watching it, you either watch it then or you don't. Yeah. And it's not to say that other it's compressed. Like the, the, the whole conversation around things 
um, it, its shelf life is just um, exponentially faster. I, I will there's say, just so much out there. I will say, with the Sopranos, I'm itching actually. Like, I know with the new movie coming out, the prequel. I don't think the prequel looks that great, but I mean, you know, it's a trailer. But I'm, I'm excited. I'm I'm itch. I'm itching to go back and rewatch. I should watch it for the again. first time. While oh you man, it's it, so, so good. It is yeah. probably yeah. you know I watched it and I was like the hype is probably real but i don't know if it'll be my favorite it's my favorite, that's what everyone's, favorite show yeah it's see and that's what everyone tells me and everyone says yeah. like matt you would love it and i just haven't dived in yet like it's, it's a big yeah commitment. for sure i there were um, twin peaks sopranos and 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 seinfeld for me are those shows where like i can just go back and watch yeah. episodes and and with it's different with movies where like with new movies it's like you want to keep on track of it because we're doing the podcast i got the reviews at rogers and things like that i still try to fit in some older stuff to either rewatch or watch for the first time but with television it's one of those things where it's like i feel like if you're not on it as it's happening in real time you kind of feel like you not miss the boat. miss out, but, but you just kind of like, it's like, okay, well, if you miss it, then you just find something else because there's so much. Right. Yeah, right? I, I, I got I will... seven and a half hours of metal gear to watch on YouTube. So I can't, <laughs> I will say though, like, um, what is it? Like I haven't seen Loki. Right. And, and, and I know this is more, so I think me, and I talked about it already and I, and how I kind of view the Marvel universe, but it's like, I, I was interested to a certain extent in it. And then now, I feel like we're on to like two things later or whatever. And I feel like I missed that boat. And, and, and that was a weekly show. I, I, it's interesting. Yeah. I, it's tough to kind of, I think it's just dependent on what you're releasing. I just, I find personally, if it's a half hour show, I almost try to wait two weeks or, or longer to watch. So you have a little bit more substance to 30 minute episode a week is I need the good stuff, you know? Yeah, I agree. I've been waiting and for Ted Lasso specifically, because we had review uh copies of it. So I got oh, to binge right. like I got to binge the first eight episodes and then it's like, well, I gotta wait uh three <laughs> months now until I get the last couple or like cause I keep checking the press site to see when the last couple episodes go on. Yeah. Um and, well, even with the embargo, right? Like and and how embargo, when you yeah. can talk about certain episodes. episodes yeah. So um that's always weird uh, inside baseball stuff too. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm, I obviously love binging as well. Like, but I just, I've always been someone who likes a collective experience and everyone being on the same page, which is, I think why movies, I guess not everyone sees movies at the, at the same time either. And it's a similar thing where if you don't see them opening weekend, you kind of feel like you missed the boat, at least on the conversation of it. But yeah. Um, but eating, yeah. eating, drinking and watching, I'm a binger. That's the way to oh, do yeah, it. I know. I, yeah. I, I, I'm with you. I, I understand. I understand. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, I think we're going to wrap there. Kyle, cool. thank you again. Um, anything you want to plug before we go? I, to uh, think. Um, Where can people find you on the social medias? I, my, my website is kind of just like some of my work. If you want to check it out and watch some weird stuff that I've made, uh, some shorts and music videos, uh, it's just kylemarchin.com. Um, yeah, I was actually thinking of like movies that I've watched recently that stuck with me. I watched, you know what movie I watched about a month ago and it just caught me so off guard is uh blowout. That movie is yeah. a oh, Brian De Palma ruled. movie. Yeah. I, have the, yeah. I have the criterion still have never watched it. And everyone, Eric keeps telling me that I would really like Dude, it. I think, so you I, would love you it. Would. I think you'd yeah, really yeah. enjoy it. Um, so. yeah, that was a great watch. Yeah. Cool. Cool, man. 
Well, thank so you. Uh, KyleMarchand.com and watch Brian <laughs> I don't have any, like, you know, I'm not, I don't know, you know. You have yeah. Letterbox though, things oh, like yeah, that. You can if people Letterbox, there. it's just uh, at Kmarchin, and then I'll link uh, to it all in the in the description yeah. and stuff like that. So don't follow me on Twitter unless you want to see me favorite a bunch of Boston Bruins related content or weird movie memes about David Lynch mainly. Sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I get that. I get that. That's the. Um, on our end, uh, you guys can check out our 100th draft of the Untitled Movie Podcast, which was our big celebration of you know the origin of of Matt and Eric and and uh, and and this show and different things like that. We started a YouTube channel. You might be watching this on YouTube. Uh, if so, I appreciate it. If not, please go subscribe. It's uh, Untitled Movie Reviews and Podcast. You guys can check that out. We'll link to everything over on Letterboxd. Our Letterboxd HQ is Untitled underscore Movies. All of our social handles and things uh, will be over there but uh, we have a couple other shows we'd love for you guys to check out too untitled movie reviews where we post kind of uh you know 20 minute and under sometimes longer but hopefully some most times under uh movie reviews on youtube and podcast services we have reviews right now for the aforementioned vacation friends as well as candy man shang chi and the legend of the ten rings which is opening next week uh uh the night house uh paw patrol uh speaking of the marvel shows what if episodes one through three uh annette uh free guy the suicide squad and more uh tiff is coming up so we will have tons and tons of tiff coverage over on untitled movie reviews uh so you can either get that right here on youtube or on podcast services we should be covering many many films it should be a busy couple weeks and then untitled movie conversations uh, is another uh, show we do where it was an interview show that's kind of morphed into both conversations with other people and conversations about a specific topic so that's where this we, one's for you more yeah so we posted our spider-man uh, no way home trailer reaction and we'll have more over on that channel as well uh, thank you all for listening. And as always, my name is Matt Rohrbeck. You can find more of my work around the internet, but mostly at untitledmoviepodcast.com and you can, and YouTube and podcast services now. Uh, and you can follow me on all those social medias at Matt Rohrbeck. And I'm Eric March, and you can find more of my video reviews at rogerstv.com slash cinemascene and on the social medias at EM6211. Until next time. Go Bruins. Go oh, Eric. Bruins. No. Golly, Scott. Austin Matthews cover of NHL 22 for the third time or second time in three years. That was wild too. Why did they do that? I Why'd don't they know. Do that? None of us will know. Like, I think it's, we'll wrap in a second, but he's, I guess you go, Oh, um, <laughs> this is I guess you go. Show. Yeah. The after show, I uh, guess you go, okay. Marketable star. How many of them are in the NHL right here's, now? Here's and my then, theory on it. Can I just okay, yeah. tell you? Yeah, please. Yeah. I think he looked at I think I like Matthews actually quite a bit. I think he's a great. That player. NHL 20 cover, awful. That's what I think it might be. Is he looked at that and he was like, that sucked. What did also, you do to me? I also wonder too how much of it is like they've had McDavid on once, right? Crosby's the elusive one where I think he He must just not want, want he, it. Yeah. yeah Cause or else it. he would have been on it multiple times already. And also like it's. NHL 2022, we're coming out of a pandemic. Who's the most like marketable names in the, in the league right now, right? Your hottest goal scorer on the biggest, no, sorry, but the, the biggest franchise in the NHL. He's American, so um, you get that audience. Actually, and you uh, get... I believe you guys are second or third in terms of revenue, according oh, to Forbes. Is it behind the I think Rangers the Rangers are one yeah. again, yeah. 
I just mean popularity. I'm joking. I um, know. Yeah, yeah. Toronto um, and Montreal are very bankable, and Matthew. Yeah, he's young. And, uh, he's and being American, I think you. Yeah, a mustache, beautiful mustache, like like yourself. And oh, thanks. Um, and I feel like you know, because he's American and on the biggest franchise in Canada, you kind of hit both of those markets. And he's very and cool. Then, he's a cool yeah, guy. He's a, yeah, and so and it, whole, it is. Um, but it's fascinating. I saw how mad everyone got, and I'm like, that NHL 20, 20 cover when they put him through like Face App five times. Yeah, that like with a weird Photoshop smile and shit, he looks awful on it. But so, he's like, also maybe. like, you know, he's friends with Justin Bieber now. Like he's yeah. he goes to events. Like he's got the cool factor. He's very marketable. And yeah, I, again, like the NHL is like ten to fifteen years behind the NBA and a lot of this sort of stuff. So I think it's like capitalize he's a guy that, that feels yeah. like is in this new era where he's ushering it in and very marketable yeah. it makes sense i mean you know the whole 